banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world. But in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks. And the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. But here we are, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a couple of uh, actually you can expect us to kick off uh, each and every morning at 7 a.m. But uh, this morning, just a couple of um, uh, technical work throughs that uh, uh, that we'll get to. And I'm joined uh, this morning, ladies and gentlemen, on this. This is what it's called. It's called Market Ultra Market Ultra. And I'm going to be joined uh, each and every day. Uh, by Craig Winklewitz, and then, of course, on those most important days, uh, with Dr. Kirk Elliott, like this morning. Dr. Kirk Elliott and Craig, good morning to you guys. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yep. I uh, I told you I was going to need I was going to need a little bit just because I had a technical nightmare go on and and i said i need to buy some time and gentlemen uh while we work out uh, the first couple of episodes here um uh as we oh my goodness as we work through this uh craig winklewitz um do us a favor this morning yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um first of all uh i want uh, i want you to tell us we we open up of course with the calendar, but uh, Dr. Kirk is going to be uh, joining us this morning. We're going to just kind of do a little bit of a reversal. I've got a bunch of top news headlines for us this morning, uh, but uh, if you can just kind of open us up, tell us quickly about the calendar, and then what is your top of mind uh, uh, headline this morning coming right out of the gates? Yeah, yeah, top, top of mind for sure this week is we're on the horns kicking off. Uh, so, so we're going to get, get just, just a ton of stuff coming out of there, I'm sure. sure. Um, you know, you know, in years, years past, past, they've been uh, uh, less, less cautious. cautious. <clears throat> I think they're, they're under, under pressure, pressure right now. now. I mean, we, we, we see, see that in a lot of different, different ways. ways. They're, they're going to be a little more cautious in how they come out, how they present themselves in the streets. Remember last year, we saw a lot of orders, a lot of independent journalists hunting down. Hunting down, down Albert Borla, Borla and some of these other guys. guys. And uh, so I, I think, think they got, got wind of that last year. year. And, and I, I think, think we're going to see, see absolutely no connection with the public and the media until they want it, right? They're going to control that. And I think they're going to be a little more controlled on the main news outlets. And, but nonetheless, you know, we saw this whole disease X thing pop up last week. And so now that's, you know, hitting a lot of the independent media. Um, and so, you know, this is their, Again, they're setting it up for round two of COVID or, you know, this new gimmick um, of a, of a uh, 
you know, they're talking about similar to the Spanish flu. They're talking, you know, you hear a lot of different things. We'll see what comes out of this week. But what we do get this week out of there, too, from a market and economic standpoint is Christine Lagarde is going to speak three times. She's going to speak Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on some different topics. But they use her as their mouthpiece. She's um, she's a character. I mean, she should probably be in jail, probably still not getting out of jail yet for some of the things she's done in the past. But of course, she gets but of course, she gets a clean slate and she gets to run the European Central Bank, one of the big, biggest central banks in the world. So with that in mind, we're going to watch what she has to say. She's going to be front and center as we get to midweek to end of week. And then from an economic data standpoint, um, we had Germany today come in pretty weak on their WPI, uh, minus 0.6% versus a 0.2% expectation. This is their wholesale prices index. So this is a lot like the PPI, except from a wholesale level. So it's a lot this similar concept, right? We talk about the PPI being up the channel. So when we see inflation picking up in the PPI, we, we can assume, right, make a decent assumption that it's going to make its way down to the consumer price index over time. It's a similar thing with the WPI in Germany, and we saw a, a pretty pretty staggering number, right? So deflationary uh, uh, numbers coming out of Germany. And um, so that's what gets us off, to, gets us off the blocks today. Um, let's see, we've got this week in the U.S., we're going to have Empire State Manufacturing Index is going to be a big one on Tuesday. We're going to have Bank of England Governor Bailey is going to speak on Tuesday. We're going to have China's industrial production come out late Tuesday. And then Wednesday, we've got quite a bit of activity. We'll have U.K. CPI, EU Final Core CPI. We get U.S. retail sales, U.S. beige book. Um, we'll have the housing this week. We start off with the housing again. I know Dr. Kirk's talked a little bit about housing and maybe he can speak to that in a little bit if he's got some thoughts on that, but this is when we start that whole cycle again, right? So you'll see this cycle re represent itself over and over again. And this, we, we're really kicking off housing. So we've done some housing stuff in the ultra website. Um, we did part one. Um, I've got part two stored up and I think this is a good time to pull it out. I'll probably write write a piece on that today, kind of the history of how we came about this, where we are in the housing market, how this came about in the 60s, how the government subsidized it, this whole mess that we've gotten ourselves in with housing. We talked last time when we got the housing data, how we started to see existing home sales starting to double top and peak. So I'll revisit that. We'll cover that again. And that'll, that'll pretty much do it. We do get, um, end of the week, we'll get a little bit of sentiment numbers out of Michigan. And, but I think the two big things are World Economic Forum, housing, and then watching what comes out of Europe, right? We've got a little bit of data out of Europe. I'm really concerned with Europe and I'm really concerned with Japan as well. Um, Japan's, but we'll get into that later on this week. Let's not get into Japan right now, but let's just keep an eye on World Economic Forum and the housing data this week. Dr. Kirk, do me a favor. Uh, we've been doing this, shoot, how, a long time now. I don't even, I don't even know. I, I always look forward to our segment. Um, do me a favor. Um, Emphasize the point with everybody listening. Uh, we're putting a really heavy focus on everybody paying attention to the financials. Why? Because they don't and they need to. We, there can be no doubt about it. This isn't like a scare tactic. I mean, we're, we're going into a, we're right in, immersed in a period right now that everyone has a quote unquote dog in the fight. Um, you have to be paying attention. Um, right in the middle of a collapse, but just really overemphasize that point that we're going to, you know, mention certain things, whether it be, you know, uh, shoot now, um, companies are just avoiding the red sea. They're considering it a, uh, a, um, 
a war zone, stuff like that. It's going to have an impact. But just emphasize the point that why should everyone that doesn't normally pay attention to the financial news, why they must be pay, paying attention right now and from here on out? Yeah, well, because it, simply because it matters. It's an election year. So you're going to see a lot of printing of money, a lot of stimulus, a lot of promises of future handouts, current handouts, right? Because things are going to need to get votes. You know, as, as Craig was saying, World Economic Forum is meeting right now, which number one means um, women and children should probably stay indoors <laughs> in Davos. Um, but, you know, you, you've got, you've got what... COVID 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever one is coming this fall, right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Everyone got used to COVID, right? So so that one's almost not extreme enough anymore. So so what could come next? You know, maybe um, some kind of hemorrhagic fever coming out of the Paris Olympics. I mean, I don't know. But I think it's got to be something worse than COVID to really get people to react and and give up even more of their freedoms. You know, this is probably going to be one of the talking points of World Economic Forum is how do you how do you control the masses? Um, how do you restrict their freedoms? How do you then change ultimately the monetary system of the world? I mean, this is probably going to be some of the talking points of World Economic Forum. But just in the first couple of weeks of this year, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're halfway through January for crying out loud. And you've already got you know, Google, Amazon, Amazon City, City cutting, cutting massive, massive amounts, amounts of jobs. jobs. Citibank, Citibank their, their, their CEO, um, spoke, spoke earlier, earlier this week. Now, 10% is the announcement of their total workforce. This, this is Citigroup. This, this isn't, you know, the, the, the t-shirt shop, shop on Main Street. Street Craig, can you mute real quick? Sorry. Yeah, this is this, this is Citigroup, one of the, one of the largest, largest employers in North America, in North America right? Ten uh, percent of their workforce, which should be well, well over twenty thousand people are going to get laid off. off. So, so you, you, the, jobs the jobs numbers came, came out last week, week right? right? Which, which, which Craig's, Craig's covered, covered all of that, that. But, but this, but this is, is big, big because, because the the number, number of jobs being you know you know just crushed, going away, suggests that the recession. Is, is coming, coming. When, when jobs plummet, plummet you know you know which, which is, is which is contrary, contrary to what biden, biden is saying about the economy right that, that they're, they're creating jobs, jobs. No, they're no they're not they're plummeting it's like hmm, this, this is kind, kind of a, a pickle that they, they that they, that they have, have to come, come up with, with. And, then and then inflation, inflation came in much higher than, than expected, expected. Well, well, how, how do you how do you talk, talk about, about that, that one now? Because, because the mantra coming out of the Fed, coming coming out of the Treasury Department, coming out of the Biden administration is we we won, won this battle, battle against inflation. inflation. Therefore, you know, you know we caused, caused rate hikes, hikes and, and we're going to actually start lowering rates in in, in twenty twenty four. I, 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 don't I don't know what they, they do with this one when now inflation is rearing its ugly head. head. You know, you know, going up like three point two percent or something like that. But but what what. What, what does that, that tell us? us? Tells, tells us that, that they don't really know how to fix that. Here's, here's the horrible, horrible predicament that they're in. A, a you, you lower interest rates because you, you, have, you have to stimulate, stimulate the, economy, the economy, right? But, right? but if, if you lower interest rates, rates inflation, inflation is going to soar because, because raising, raising rates is one of the mechanisms that they use to slow down inflation. So, so you, if, if you lower rates, rates like, like what they said, inflation, inflation is going to persist and, and, and dramatically. And most, and most people, people in America are living hand-to-mouth, month-to-month, you know, paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck paycheck anyways. anyways. 
So, so uh, man, man with higher, higher prices, this is going to be problematic for the economy. Or you raise, you raise rates to slow, to slow down, down that inflation, inflation and, you and you create one, one of the biggest, biggest recessions of our, of our generation. generation. Because, because we're already, we're already at, at the capacity, capacity right? right? We're, we're already at this, at this point, point of, of no returning. You keep raising rates. People, people can't, can't afford to live. To live. They, they can't, can't afford, afford to purchase. purchase. And, and, the and the stock market's a function of revenues. Um, um, the bond market, value bonds, comes down when interest rates go up. So they, so they create, create something bad either, either way. Either, either policy outcome creates create something bad because they've let, let it go too far. far. Right? Right? We've, we've, we've accumulated way too much debt. And now the only two mechanisms that I see and, and Craig, Craig, you can correct, correct me if you, if you think that I'm wrong. wrong. I think are, are you, you start, start cutting, cutting the massive, massive amounts, amounts of money printing and spending to slow, to slow down, down inflation? Well, brother, brother I, I, don't I don't think they're going to do that. That they, they can't because, because it's the only thing keeping the economy afloat is stimulus money right now. Or you actually, you know, lower interest rates. Well, you can't, you can't lower interest rates because the inflation they're they're creating by by point number one. I mean, this, I mean, this is, is a problem. problem. So you, so you look, look at how, how bad it's gone because the numbers just came out last week. Um, I, think I think there's, there's a fiscal collapse happening under Biden. Under Biden. Uh, in, the in the last three, three months, $509 billion has been added to our national debt. $509 billion in a quarter. So you multiply that out times four. Stand by, Dr. Kirk. Oh, go ahead. I just need to fix something here. It's uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if uh, I'm just working out some bugs because I have them both on a, a special um, on a special feed. There was a little bit of an echo here. Let me fix that. Is there an echo on on Dr. Kirk? And I will fix it. I'm so, so sorry. All right. All right, sir. Uh, and continue on. Sorry about that. No worries. Maybe the news is so important you had to hear me twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, um, yeah, if you were yeah, just so, repeat the last sentence. Yeah. So, under Biden's economic plan and policies, last three months, $509 billion has been added to the debt. In three months, that's one quarter. So, we're on pace for about $2.4 trillion being added to our, to our debt. $2.4 trillion in, in a year. See, to put this into perspective for all of the, the listeners on Rumble and stuff who maybe haven't heard this before, from 1776 until 1980 when Reagan became president, that's 204 years, we had amassed a grand total. National debt in 1980 was about $980 billion. 204 years it took to accumulate almost a trillion. Now we're on pace to add $2.4 trillion in one year? Okay, this is out of control. So this is why... This great reset is actually happening, according to the words of the World Economic Forum and Bank for International Settlements, International Monetary Fund, and the Fed, all of them. We got to fix it. We got to have a reset of sorts. Well, how do you reset in an individual family? You file for bankruptcy. How does a country uh, reset? Well, a country could file for bankruptcy, as as we're seeing. We're on the are on the path for that with our credit downgrades, downgrades of the U.S. Treasury. We've gone from, you know, AAA plus down to something worse and then down to something worse again. <laughs> Excuse me. Or how does a world, how does the globe file for bankruptcy? Reset of the complete financial system, overhaul it, right? So I think that's what we're on pace for. 
2024 could be the year that we've hit enough critical mass, enough momentum that those kind of things start to take place. You know, I um, uh, I would like. Uh, let me. So sorry, Doctor Doctor Kirk. Uh, please don't judge me. <laughs> I never do. Uh, oh, I know you don't. You're so you are very very kind. I really I really appreciate that. You know what I want to um, have a conversation about? Because guess what? I interviewed. Um, Mr. Dowd, um, and this is what he said, is that um, Edward Dowd said that the dollar, because I asked him, remember, Craig, you said, ask him about the dollar. And he made a lot of sense with this. Like, we know that we're decoupling from the petrodollar, right? We know that they're de-dollarizing and uh, the BRICS nations are attacking the dollar. But ultimately, nobody can unwind this thing. It'll take a long time. He said it'll take like, you know, 30 years because it's so deeply embedded in the global economy. No single entity can just like cut the dollar off. It's going to take a long, long time uh, to, to unwind this thing. Can you guys have a, a discussion between it? Because I, I'm literally a student of this thing. Um, we're, we're not a, a dollar collapse and a decoupling from the dollar and the de-dollarization, that's going to take a long time for all of these countries and entities to unwind from that. Is that true? Yeah. Can I jump in there, Dr. Kurt? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my thought on this is I like what Ed Dowd's saying, um, that it makes a lot of sense, right? But he's under the assumption that we're going to unwind, you know, as we're used to. I'm of the concern that, you know, we hear talks about EMP strikes, we hear talks about internet collapses, power collapses, that kind of stuff happens. They can, we saw what happened. I mean, who would have ever thought, right, that we would have had, you know, you could walk out on a busy street near your neighborhood, you know, during COVID and there would be no cars on the road, you know? So just remember that point in time where, you know, you would have never thought someone could shut down all traffic on the roads and we did, you know? And so you have to kind of put that, what, what you're used to and what you're not used to. And we have to sort of throw frameworks aside. I think what Dr. Kirk is saying is all spot on. What concerns me though, is what I see in markets sometimes is that sometimes you'll get a fake out move, right? In one direction before you get the collapse. So for instance, if, if we have, don't forget that we still haven't dealt with 2008 real estate crisis, right? We still have all this debt on the balance sheet that's that occurred then and built up since then. And so a lot of this is offshore debt. So if this debt needs to, is dollar based, okay, and the dollar starts to go higher, it becomes a flood chasing this dollar because nobody wants to be the first country to admit they're going to fail. We're looking at massive global failure here, right? Think, no cars on the streets in your neighborhood, right? But this is going to happen, this could happen on a global level. So if this happens, right, then, then what we get is we could get a chase for dollars because nobody wants to admit right, that they're about to fail, but we know they are. We know Japan's ready to fail. We know Europe's ready to fail. We know the West is on the verge. All, all the things Dr. Kirk is saying is spot on, right? It's just, I'm concerned that we're gonna get a fake out move in one direction first because there's this chase to, to, to play the game that we can stay afloat, right? Chase this dollar higher, chase for dollars. 
and we'll get into that, what that means, right? But basically, if there's a demand for dollars and a massive demand for dollars, because everybody's playing this game, we get this massive run up in the dollar. <clears throat> we see it in other currencies, right? So I look at all these other currency pairs and I can see this setup occurring in some of these currency pairs. It just, things don't add up. And we'll, we'll try to get into some of that so I can show you where I'm coming from on this. But I just don't see the structural setup you know, in the markets quantitatively and technically and fundamentally. And that's where Dr. Kirk and I are nice because I, I do pay attention to the fundamentals as close as I can, but I probably don't understand them as nicely and as cleanly as Dr. Kirk does. I mean, he has a PhD in that stuff. And so, but I have more of a quantitative and technical. So there's going to be a nice blend here when we get together, I think, where we can look at things from different perspectives and really try to give the audience, you know, a good debate to so give them thinking, right? Because in the end, they have to make their own decision, right? And last week I asked Dr. Kirk about silver he said he's 100 percent silver and i can respect that i totally respect that because he knows he understands silver right he knows what it what it means to him and and so that's our goal here is to create this debate right so that people get a better perspective and they can see you know as this unravels i'm more of a, a watch it unravel kind of a guy okay i see all that stuff but i don't see it taking place in the dollar yet right if we get above below 99.81 then i'm starting to go toward dr kirk and i'm you know riding on his back you know and then we get below 95 i'm totally in right but until then i just have to look at the other side because i've seen markets put so many fake outs in over the years you're right Right. So there's a saying in the markets, you can either be right or you can make money. And sometimes, you know, you can be right and get killed, you know. And so I've just seen these fake out moves and I'll show you some of them. If people we start opening up audience questions, if someone wants to see some of them, I can go back and show you five or ten of them just so you have a perspective. But that's kind of my take on it. And I so I agree with Ed Dowd. The problem is, I think Ed's not looking at this from a collapse perspective. I think he's looking at it as a normal unwind. And that's my only that's my only concern with what he's saying. Yep. And Dr. Kirk, um, uh, Peter Schiff and a, I, were you, uh, on this, uh, were you on a uh, interview with, um, uh, with Mike Adams? Were you involved in that Peter, Peter Schiff was on an interview and I, I've listened to Peter Schiff for years. Uh, he's big on precious metals big time. Uh, and he's saying that 2024, uh, could be a horrible year for the dollar. What is, what does he say? Uh, because that would be like a sudden shock, you know, to to decouple from the dollar. Uh, that, that would impact not just the United States of America, but those countries or entities that are that are unwinding from the dollar. What does he say? So, he, I mean, he's saying that it's going to happen like be a more immediate thing. So this is where Craig is is possibly right in, in the short term. When you look at the at the kind of the the coupling of different currencies japan to the dollar the euro to the dollar right and and the technicals are looking pretty fascinating as there might be inflow into the dollar as countries around the world are starting to collapse right you look at what argentina is doing they're wanting to peg to the u.s dollar why because that's how it's always been right since 1944 when we became the world's reserve currency this is what countries do that are looking for stability in their currency is we're gonna peg to the dollar it's, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, right? So, but what's happening with the, the de-dollarization of the world with the BRICS nations leading that charge, ultimately, and this could be sooner, it could be later, but I have a feeling it might be sooner, is that old game of, of well, let's peg to the dollar for stay safety and stability. When the world realizes the dollar's not the kingpin anymore, 
let's let's peg to the BRICS nations currency, right? Let's peg to something different. I think that kind of financial D-Day is coming. Schiff thinks that that's happening relatively soon, right? Because you can't continue to print when you've lost the petrodollar status and, and expect it to not impact inflation in a big way because there is no built-in demand for the currency. So as soon as country after country after country starts to realize there's a there's a bigger kid in the sandbox than the U.S. dollar, that might be the BRICS nations, I think that's the lights out moment, the financial D-Day for the dollar. And, and I do think that that's gonna happen in 2024. Yep, uh, Dr. Kirk, uh... We wanted to keep you for 30 minutes, uh, I think well over the amount of time that you had allocated. Speaking of allocation, everyone needs to reallocate. I mean, they do. Uh, like me, you know, I'm in that I'm going to be buying up silver. I am personally. I'm telling everybody to do that. I see certain signs. I've been following this stuff for decades just as a novice conservative uh, investor. Uh, but, sir, that number across the bottom of the screen, 720-605-3900. I call you the asset preservation um, expert, as in you pick up the phone and you call, and I say don't let your 401K, which has turned into a 301K, become a 201K and a 101K and not be able to offset. So your consultations help people work through that and i thank you for for making taking the time out i know you got a busy schedule this week right yep it's it's a busy one so thanks for uh you know working with me on the time this week and i look forward to these early mornings because it's 5 a.m yeah. mountain time <laughs> yeah so yeah but i look forward to it man there's a lot that we're going to be able to cover this year to get people out of the path of this hurricane give them the ammunition, the knowledge, the wisdom that's needed to make a good decision. And that's that's what we're here for. Yes, sir. And I thank you very much for taking the time off. By the way, next Monday and Tuesday, we're not going to be getting together. We have to offset the schedule. But I figure this is the best time to talk to you anyway, because guess what? I'm getting married. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> that's awesome. I'm getting married. And that's a good reason to yeah. not be able to do uh, morning shows on Monday and Tuesday. So. I know you guys are very forgiving and uh, you're, you're big family guys. So uh, I'm sure you can appreciate that. Thank you very much, Dr. Nice Kirk. I appreciate awesome. it. Yep, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what we're going to do now, Craig and I are <laughs> going to, when we break away uh, like this, break away like this, what does break away like this mean? Um, I am literally messing around with it. Oh, there we go messing around with a new configuration through our rendezvous system and this is going to happen uh real time as we go uh we're going to break away uh very temporarily uh for a commercial break just so i can get uh, uh reset here and of course we want you to support our sponsors um whenever whenever you can dr kirk elliott of course uh is going to be He's just a great asset right now in these very, very uncertain times. Nobody's going to be harmed by picking up the phone and calling them. It's a low pressure type thing. If you're concerned about, oh, what do I do with my 401k? Should I had an employee? Um, uh, one of one of our people, I'm not going to mention who it is, but he had everything pretty much wrapped up into 
uh, in his 401k, and he had very little allocated towards precious metals as as an offset. But um, uh, Craig, stay right there, and we are going to take a break, uh, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes here. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, stay right there. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. I get products all the time from entrepreneurs for my new platform, MyStore.com. And when I tried my coffee for the first time, I was blown away. It is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. I spent the last four months doing my due diligence, and this family-owned business micromanages every step from the fields to the cup to ensure the best quality coffee you're ever going to have. It starts with the beans that are grown in Honduras. Honduras's volcanic soil and humid climate make the perfect growing conditions for coffee plants, which produce the best beans ever. Then each batch is tested for its aroma, taste, and other aspects to meet the highest standards in the coffee industry. And after that, it goes into production, which is all done right here in the USA. It's like you're getting that small batch specialty coffee, but delivered right to your front door. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code and you'll get your very own My Coffee for 25% off. You guys all know that I've traveled the country for the past year and a half. I've stayed in hundreds of hotels. I've tried every coffee out there. Well, some of the coffees have that terrible aftertaste, some that leave me jittery, or I get an upset stomach. Well, my coffee is different. It's the richest, smoothest, best coffee I've ever had. My coffee comes in a variety of flavors. You get them ground or whole bean, plus it's certified organic and non-GMO. I guarantee it'll be the best coffee you've ever had. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get my coffee for 25% off. And I'm going to give you deep discounts on all my store products. That's mystore.com. It's my new platform for USA entrepreneurs. Please order now. Banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world, but in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks, and the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. That's quite all right. We're back in the saddle, ladies and gentlemen, here on in the morning at 7 a.m. Market Ultra. And then, oh, by the way, this is why we didn't just light it up on on LFA TV. And and this show will be lit up on LFA TV beginning February 1st. Just got to get uh, 
a couple of the, you know, a lot of it, it changed the graphics and uh, sponsors, commercials, stuff like that. Just um, uh, you guys bear with us. But between now and then, well, this week, uh, t- well, let's let's say today is a big day because we've got Iowa happening. Were you following any of the uh, the ridiculousness that was going on in, in Iowa with uh, I'm calling him Vivek, Vivek Rubber Swampy, okay? This guy turned. I mean, kind of like John Bolton, you know, he came into the White House, and next thing you know, he's just throwing hand grenades at President Trump. And those are the signs that we're looking for. Are people not saying that everybody needs to worship President Trump, but he's just, uh, uh, he, he kind of lured everybody in uh, by not disparaging President Trump, right? And and just presented himself as, you know, somebody that was an ad, ad, uh, advocate for President Trump. He brought a lot of people into his stadium. And then at the last second, what does he do? Final pitch, he throws it in the dirt. <laughs> he just blew it. And last night, the last I saw, because these caucuses are important, uh, the people he had in the room, it was a very, very meek and mild crowd. Everybody scattered like cats but president trump right now is up like 40 something percent over uh the next uh the next rival uh, and that's all driven by we the people because we know that ramaswamy says this is what we need to do uh but we know that president trump has already had his first run at uh trying to drain the swamp what have you been following in that regard are you following any of the drama out there <clears throat> well um, yes, you know, by default, I think we all follow the drama, but <clears throat> I like to look at it from a, a framework of what, uh, what to look at for this year from a market perspective. Yes. And, and so when we look at the elections, <clears throat> excuse me, when we look at the elections, right? So we can make an estimation this time of the year that about 30% of the vote <clears throat> is undecided. And that number is made up of independents and about 14 to 16 percent democrats right so the independents will stand their ground for a while right always hoping that their candidate like an rfk is actually going to be able to put something together but ultimately the two-party system forces them you know to decide republican or democrat at some point in the election process so of this 30 percent that's undecided right 30 percent make their decision by march right that follows up these four caucuses that we're looking at right iowa new hampshire nevada south carolina and then another 30 percent make up their decision by july that's not by you know no mystery behind that that's when the convention is right right around that time frame and then the remaining 30 to 40 percent tend to make their decision in october right that's going they're the last minute people waiting for the last bit of information you know to make sure trump doesn't bus jump off a bus with billy bush again right and say something you know that who knows if that was ever real or whatever <laughs> so so but the key is what will make them change their minds this year right so we see already games being played with the economy right biden's already turning ship that's what i've been watching is look at how fast he's turned ship and talking about how he's yeah he's made mistakes in the past but he's going to fix them in the future you know we're hearing the typical 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 political rhetoric right i mean if you're paying attention you know and i'm sure all of you are you wouldn't be paying attention to the show you're seeing this go on right and so we just like to shine a little bit more of a light on it when we can and so the big thing to look for is um you know 
the so the big things will be the economy right they're going to try to hold this thing up right by printing money you know pushing money down the channels like they tend to war is a potential con way of, of covering things up diverting the attention away from past weaknesses right we have you know they'll, they'll put a focus on energy gas prices right food prices you know how they're all the great things they're trying to do to help all the people out so they create the mess right and then they come out and tell you how they can fix it right typical typical politician stuff nobody fixes the bridge before it falls right they all come back and say put me in the office because i wouldn't have let that bridge collapse right that's how they all work right if you really think about it so the so over the next two to three months right we think that you know, we, we got to watch what's going on with this whole Biden thing. I don't know what you think, Pete, but, you know, you follow this pretty closely and you're talking to a lot of people. And you've got your ear to the wall. What do you think is going to happen in terms of this, you know, Newsom and um, because because from the Republican side, right, what I see is, <clears throat> you know, the um, uh you know, they're trying to set it up like they did, I believe, in the primaries for the Democrats in South Carolina, where they rigged it. They took it away from Bernie, right, gave it to Hillary in 2016, ripped it off from Bernie again in 2020 and gave it to Biden. You could you could see a clear distinction around South Carolina. And I think they're setting up Haley, right, as the number two, and they're going to rig the polls again to make it look like she's making headway. Right. That's one of their gimmicks here is they're going to make it look like she's making headway and they're going to try to rig it as much as they can to try to convince us that Trump isn't as far ahead as he really is. That's kind of what I see going on. So I'm watching this to see because I don't know here on, on Market Ultra, we're believers that the, the 2016 or the 2020 election were clean. <laughs> so I think most people will probably tend to side with us on that. Um, there's lots and lots of evidence, lots and lots of circumstantial evidence. Um, and, and our friend Mike Mandel continues to, to work at this. But what are your thoughts on this, Pete, from the from the Biden perspective? You, you know, that's a little bit of a market angle on it. But what do you what are you what are you hearing? Well, well, this is what I'm saying. And I'm very concerned about it is that uh, if Joe Biden is to even stay in the game, he hasn't done any campaigning at all. So if he stays in, that's really dangerous because that tells me they're going to cheat again. They're yeah. going to cheat again because he he's not campaigning. He he puts out a couple of ads. His first ad that he puts out is literally weaponizing half of America to go and shoot white people. You know, I mean, the, the yeah. uniter in chief is literally weaponizing the minds of the unknowing and making it a very dangerous landscape, extremely divided. I mean, I mean, civil war style dangerous because if President Trump gets in, what are they going to do? They're going to say, oh, we're all a danger to democracy. Um, so yeah. that's my that's one of my main concerns. Yeah. Well, and he's not even capable of running. Right. He can't he can't endure the time needed in front of a camera. He can't even endure it. So they have to take a different angle. They need some sort of a diversion. And I think, you know, that's what we have to watch for is when we see this coming, you know, because this will impact the markets, I think. I mean, if we start to see hmm. gimmicks being played, you know, we've heard, you know, uh, Roger Stone make mention of, you know, Michelle Obama, right? You know, we've, we've hear these things, but something's got to change because they can't run this guy in a, in a normal scenario. They can't run him. He's just incapable of being put out there. It, you know, he can't endure the time in the camera. Can I, can I ask you something? You watch this and I, I don't know the answer to this. I could, you know, uh, make it up that, uh, that there is obvious market influences if President Trump is up by, you know, 60% against his competitors, right? Um, 
that has a positive impact. Uh, if Joe Biden was beating everybody and he was, you know, 60 points ahead and it looks like Joe Biden is going to get another term, that would have a negative impact on, on the market. So uh, it is this short window, it's a relatively short window between now and November, uh, the run up to November and the possibility that President Trump is going to get in again. We're in the money. We're in. I mean, what what does that do to the markets? Well, and that's why I lay this out, right, from a time perspective, <clears throat> because in markets, we look at price and we look at time. OK, there's a concept of you might be right on a stock going to a certain level, but over what period of time? Right. You might be right on a stock over time going to a certain level, but mm. maybe not in the price fashion you think, you know, so we keep these two things in mind, right? Basically the X and the Y axis is what we do. So what I'm trying to do is introduce the time frame, right? So we're looking at, you know, 30% make their decision by March, another 30% by midsummer, right? And final 30%, you know, by right going into the elections. So that's what we want to watch for is in this first window of time, you know, no, but this isn't a surprise wall street or, Washington DC knows all this, right? They do all the R squared calculations. They do all the all the statistical analysis. They know exactly what we're talking about here, that they know these windows of time. So what we need to do is look for these capsules of time to see what kind of shenanigans get played in this up until March, right? And then after March, do they elevate? Do they escalate going into July, right? And does the market pick up on this? Does it, does it sniff out what's going on, you know? Um, ahead of time you know and so that's why i try to introduce these capsules of time because we're going to probably refer back to this structure and we'll build upon it number one we'll build upon it as we go because we're going to get more information but we know that this is statistically how it unfolds and, and dc knows this is statistically how it unfolds so we're all going to be working off the same playbook if we have this framework in our mind and we're looking at this you know up until march up until july up until late October. So that's how I'm going to try to put frame it in my mind. And that's how, you know, we're probably going to proceed, you know, at least from my perspective, relating to markets. That's how I'd like to try to proceed is trying to keep that framework in mind as we move through this. Does that make sense, Pete? Yeah, it sure does. And do me a favor uh, for people that are just tuning in. So we're emphasizing the point that if you haven't been paying attention to the financials, this show is dedicated, especially to those people that are, you know what, they don't want you paying attention. And they're also working to make sure that when this uh, shock comes to the system that you do not blame the guys in the suits and ties, you blame the black swan. We could have never seen this coming, right? They, they take the money monkey off their back, but you need to be paying attention. Secondly, do me favors, take some time out uh, here, just uh, uh, four, four or five minutes, and explain, you know, why we're calling it market ultra and the overall attitude as to how we, well, first of all, we tell the, tell you the truth about what's happening with the news because they're constantly, you know, lying to you. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, uh, Fox News is not going to tell you about how many people are dying from Pfizer jabs because they cut to a, a big farm. You know what I mean? So the... So the, the financial news shows are beholden to, to big business in the establishment. Uh, you're right. just not going to get the truth there. So here in independent media, we're going to deliver you the truth. And then there's a second element. And that is, is a lot of things per, you know, you're, you've got a proprietary software system and uh, decades of experience in taking a look at what people normally don't see and hear, right, outside of the visual spectrum 
and the auditory spectrum. And th that when we refer to harmonics, that means it's stuff that's happening and it's not hitting the news. By the time uh, those signals, right, and the, the harmonics as they occur, by the time it hits into the visual or the auditory range, uh, you've already been able to see that pattern that was developed to begin with. You can, it's not necessarily a prediction, it's a pattern that if something is happening outside of our visual spectrum, it's typically gonna land here or it's gonna land here, right? It's not a right. prediction, it's an, it's an economic mathematical model, right? Of course you factor in the news, but talk about the, um, about the harmonics. You're, the, people are gonna hear about harmonics, they're like, what the hell are harmonics? And other people talk about harmonics, but it's different than what we're gonna talk about here on Mar Market Ultra. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, that's a good, uh, great lead into that because, you know, part one to that was, you know, that's why we're on rumble and LFA, right. Is because we know that we can tell the truth, right. We're not, we're not being, you know, forced into saying certain things because of who our sponsors are, you know, and that's our number one goal. That's why Pete's guided us in this direction, which is great. And that's, why we're doing this. I wouldn't do it any other way. And so speaking of the harmonics, right? The other, the other component to that is that the, so just, so I can come up with a lot of different analogies, but one, one in this doesn't relate to seasonality, but just use the, the context of, you know, fall, winter, spring, and summer and say, you know, you don't know how harsh the winter is going to be, but you know, this time frame between, you know, December and you know late February is going to be typically cold cold weather patterns right and then you're going to roll into spring and you know it's typically going to be rainy and you know it's going to start to warm but then you're going to get cold spells and you're going to get setbacks right and then you're going to go into summer right you get this spring to summer growth season right so you get this growth pattern and then you're going to go into fall and you go into a decay pattern again where things start to degrade right they they break down and it makes your soil fertile for the next year. And we repeat this kind of a cycle over and over again. And I don't want to mislead you to think that, you know, what we're doing is cyclical. Well, it is cyclical, but it's not seasonal, right? But it, it, I think that lays a decent analogy for what we're doing here. And so when we lay out these harmonics, right, there's a, and we'll flip over and we'll take a look at one here real quickly. Um, the, uh, so we were talking a little bit about, well, let me flip over to the dollar here. So we were talking a little bit about this with Dr. Kirk and, you know, because the dollar is such an important market and it doesn't get talked about enough, but on Market Ultra, we're going to cover the dollar because it's, it's quintessential. I mean, it is fundamental to all these other markets. When the dollar tends to go up, it puts a lot of pressure on the commodities, right? And it'll put pressure on commodity currencies and it'll put pressure on the, do on the, on the debt markets and it'll put pressure on the stock markets at times, not always, but at times. So these things will have, they'll be correlated, meaning positively correlated, meaning things will go up together or they'll be negatively correlated where one thing will go up and something else will go down. We like to look at both positively correlated, negatively correlated. Okay. So when we look at this dollar, right, we, we, we want to put it in the framework. And this is why this is kind of the tip of our, of our uh, pyramid, right? We look at the dollar as most important. And that's why there's all this talk, you know, Dr. Kirk's correct to speak about dollar, you know, potentially being degraded here, you know, um, 
you know, there's, there's debate. I always like to put the debate. I am always a big fan of a debate, right? Because there's things I learn from debates and hopefully there's things other people's learn from my points and my debate. Right. And so I like to put this debate out there for our audience because it's, it's important um, in the sense that the, um, you know, the, you learn, hopefully we all learn from it. Right. And, and so when we look at this, basically what I have laid out here is a harmonic structure on the dollar. Okay. This is an active structure. Okay. And it's pretty simple. We lay this out to be as much like a cartoon, even though we don't treat it as a joke, but we treat this as much like a cartoon as we can. We try to keep it pretty simple. So we look back in this area right in here, right? We see this rectangle. That's where we build up energy. Okay. Basically markets like to build up energy. Um, you know, just like you, you know, you try to get some food, get some sleep, you build up energy for the next day of work, right? No different than what the markets do. They build up energy to make a move. This market comes into this little breakout zone, okay, and it breaks out. Once it breaks out, we have these harmonic structures, right? So think of throwing a rock in the water, right? You get this ripple that, that occurs, right? The ripple travels in a direction until it gets to the shoreline, and then it hits the shoreline, and then it reverberates back. Once it hits the shoreline, we call that signal completed okay then we look for the aftermath of that right the ripples are not as clean as they were before but they still have an impact on on you know that pond or that that space so what we see here is you know the, these pink dots okay there's one two three four of these pink dots down in this area okay this is what we call our halfway harmonic and this is given to us back here when this purple dot came in place okay so we knew this ahead of time right and you ask, well, how did you know? What did you know? Well, what we knew was this halfway harmonic. We think of this as kind of like the hill. Okay, you got to climb the hill. Once you get over the hill, there's a tendency for the market to roll over and basically go down the hill. Okay, so an equal distance from here, right, to here. Okay, that's why it's in the middle. Once it rolls over, there's a good tendency for it to come down here and meet this full downside objective, which I'm not sure you can see that text on the screen. There we go. So the full downside objective here. We're going to do this over and over again. And the reason we do this is because one, we can assess whether the harmonic is actually working or not. Okay. That's number one. Sometimes they just don't work, right? I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years and sometimes they just don't work, but usually they do. And when they do, right, they give us a framework to attach news to. Okay. So instead of taking a news focused approach where Bloomberg or CNBC or the local light nightly news or someone's feeding you this information, we would rather look at the structure that can, you know, um, lay out a structure force winter for spring, kind of like farmer's almanac, right? It lays out a structure going forward. This kind of does the same thing. We don't want to throw the word prediction on there because it really is not a prediction, mm -hmm. but it is a structure. So what we want to do is we want to lay out this structure and then we pay attention to the news like, a, like, you know, voraciously, right? Because we want to understand like, how would this harmonic play out? If it doesn't, what is the catalyst? right? That's going to make us get to these halfway harmonics, these full downside harmonics. So we've been quiet over the holiday season, right? We're going into the world economic forum, right? This week, we're going into this data. This is why we pay attention to this data because we're looking for the catalyst. It's going to make this dollar either, you know, and you can see, you know, we're stuck right now. Okay. See all these blue dots in here, right? We're basically getting stuck between what I would call the two eights, mostly the three eights harmonic, the two eights harmonic and the three eights harmonic, right? That's where all these blue dots exist. And you know, if you don't understand it right now, that's okay. We're going to break this down over time. But the point is, look at the pink dots. There's four of them. 
right? Look at all the turquoise dots. We're measuring how the price action is reacting to this structure. Okay, and we're starting to see right now lots of these turquoise dots come along. So this market's consolidating. You can see it's starting, I can see it's starting to build energy. And over time, hopefully we'll be able to convey that to you that it's starting to build energy. Once it builds energy enough, it's gonna, it's gonna either move back up into this breakout zone, right? And it's gonna have problems with it, more than likely, not always, but again, high probability, or it's more than light, or it's gonna go down to here, right? Those are the two things we're looking at. And until one of those two things happens, we call, I call it lost in space. We're just kind of lost in space right now, right? We're, so for traders, this is fine. You can pick up three eights, you sell it, buy it, sell it, buy it, sell it, buy it. You can sell it across this thing multiple times, or you could sell an option strategy, you know, where you sell, sell a call, buy a put, sell two calls, buy a put. There's all different kinds of option strategies we could do to basically take in premium where time dissipates. But that's essentially what we're looking at here, right? Is we're looking at these harmonic structures and we're trying to take what's going on in the world and we're trying to reapply it back to the harmonic structures. And that's essentially how we're gonna approach it because I think over time you'll see that this adds a lot of validity and truth, most importantly truth to what's going on. And we can sort of sort out the garbage when we see these harmonic structures, because someone you'll hear the media go in one direction and then you'll see the harmonics go in another. And I know who to trust. I'm not trusting the media because I know it's propagandized. I'll trust the harmonics, right? So in a nutshell, right? Hope a little bit, a couple nutshells there. Hopefully that gives you at least a you know an, an hors d'oeuvre into what we're gonna do here, looking at quantitative, technicals, fundamentals, looking at all the news, take trying to look for catalysts, trying to take in the election, trying to take in all these time frames of things going on put it all together and, and hopefully create a much stronger, you know, thinking and thesis on what markets are and, and what they mean to you, because it does matter to everyone. The problem is people just haven't received the education to realize that these things can tell you a lot about your world that you live in. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Craig, uh, also, uh, let me over, over emphasize, uh, the point once again, uh, if, all right, you have to learn your way through uh, taking a look at this. You're literally going to, and Craig has set out, instead of, you know, serving, you know, a hedge fund or being an analyst with a proprietary look and giving, you know, the global elite the inside scoop and allow them to do what they do, and that is rape and pillage, uh, you know, the, the, the underlings, we serfs, um, He's dedicated to teaching people. Listen, you haven't been paying attention to this before, but let's take it one step further. Rather than just look at the markets go up and down, let's take a look outside of that because there's things that happen outside of what you're normally saying. And when we see those signals taking place, boom. So you're going to have, I mean, literally, if, you, if you're, you decide to all of a sudden pick up and start running, you know, your own fund, which that's what you're doing. You're managing your own funds. Um, you're not necessarily uh, taking a look at some guru that is predicting something. He's just showing you that things will naturally occur. Is, is it not true? Here's what I'm getting to. Is it not true that it's very difficult for them to manipulate uh, things until it starts to unwind? Uh, well, and they try so hard. That's such a great point, Pete. So, you know, I've watched this. So it was a lot different prior to two, to the real estate crisis, right? 2008 to 2010 window. This thing was fantastic, right? It was there. We didn't have computerized trading. 
We didn't have a, as much, we had 2000, we had 9-11 that had occurred, right? So we already saw some of our freedom stripped away there, right? But the markets were still fairly functional. You know, they were, um, there was always manipulation that took on the trade, manipulation that took place on the trading floors, right? At some point, we'll show some clips on trading places and some other funny trading movies because it is fun to laugh at some of this stuff. And right now, we're just trying to get functional and get all the great graphics Pete's doing and all that kind of stuff. And in time, hopefully, we'll you know we'll educate and we'll try to make this a fun process for everyone, right? Because that's what will keep everyone coming back. But you know, Pete is right. Like I'm not doing this for. There's nobody I'm, I'm beholden to. You know, so. I speak the truth, you know, and that's my only intention here. And so when we look at this, right, the it's it after 2010, we saw I saw something change with this. Right. And again, nobody as far as I know, no one else looks at markets like this. Maybe someone does. But, um, you know, the and the. I, I relate it to this, right? When I'm talking to people, sometimes I just, my jaw drops to the ground and I say, it's kind of like if you were trying to take, you know, your neighbor calls you and asks you for, you know, some egg or flour to make something, right? So you could, they live, tw you know, 50 feet to your right. So you go out your front door, you go to the right, 50 feet, you go deliver it, right? It's simple, go deliver it, come home, they're done. What I see a lot of times is these markets have to do what they need to do, but instead these manipulators will go out the left and they'll go all the way around the world, right? And come all the way around and they'll deliver it to the neighbor 50 feet to your right. I mean, it's that crazy sometimes how hard, how to what extremes they will go to manipulate things. I mean, it's, it is jaw dropping and we, I'm assuming we're going to see some of that this year. So, you know, stay tuned, you know, I'll, if you, for those of you who are going to be that religious of followers, you'll see me saying this today. And sometime this year, I'm going to say, remember when I made that example about going, you could just go 50 feet to the right out the door and drop off the food to your neighbor. Instead, they go all the way around the world, you know what I mean? Or all the way around the city or whatever your analogy is. And that's how crazy it can get sometimes when you watch the manipulation. But the beauty of it is the markets, they have this need to, to um, complete right? They have this need to complete themselves. And I don't know what it is. I just know that it exists, right? There's things I still don't understand, you know, but I, but I know that these things exist and I see it over and over and over again. It doesn't matter whether it's soybeans or, you know, oats or, you know, the 30 year bond or the, you know, S and P 500 stock market or the German DAX or the Jap Japanese Nikkei or the, you know, we, or, you know, uh, the woolly spider, you know, over in, you know, Singapore or something. I mean, they trade all these crazy things. It doesn't matter what you throw at it, right? It, the responses are very similar. Again, like throwing a rock in the water. It doesn't matter whether you throw a rock in the water in China or you throw a rock in the water in Argentina or the U.S. or, you know, uh, all these different places. It's going to be the same kind of response because that's just how things work, right? I mean, and again, so this goes back to a fundamental belief in, you know, a higher power, God, you know, and, 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 so you'll hear us refer to that because we, we are God-based people. And so therefore we're not going to hide that. We're not, or that's part of LFA and Rumble too. We're not going to hide that. So you know, while the others hide it, we're not going to hide that. <laughs> that. That's exactly right. And uh, uh, Craig, um, thank you very, very much for, uh, for bearing with me this morning. A lot of yeah. technical stuff happening here, but I, I think we're, we're coming along and we will, We'll, we'll get it done right here in the next uh, a couple of days. Every morning, we're going to open up at 7 a.m. That first hour is going to be with Craig uh, covering all the financials. When I'm going to take a short break here. Can you stay with me for a couple more minutes? Because sure. I want to go over yeah. the uh, economic data. We're going to cover that uh, for yeah. the week. Monday the 15th, 
on throughout the week. So we'll take a, a short break here, ladies and gentlemen, and we will be uh, right back uh, with more Market Ultra. Then we get to the top news headlines. I'm calling him uh, Vivek Rubber Swampy. Okay. Uh, by the way, that guy, speaking of raping and pillaging, he's already got a track record of doing that. I think he, well, anyways, rumor has it that uh, uh, when he was in biotech, uh, that he took advantage of a, a lot of his investors. Uh, I, for some reason, that, that got buried when we when we started hearing his, his pro-America first mantra. But we know that that was just a Trojan horse to what he did within the past 24 hours. Let's I do a know. segment on that sometime, Pete. Even if it's five minutes, let's do a little five-minute segment on Vivek at some point. On Vivek, come, uh, let's do it yeah. sooner versus later. Right? Yeah, let's do okay. that. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, there's Fantastic. some key things people need to see. Fantastic. Everybody, stay right there. We'll be back uh, right after this short message. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. I get products all the time from entrepreneurs for my new platform, MyStore.com. And when I tried My Coffee for the first time, I was blown away. It is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. I spent the last four months doing my due diligence, and this family-owned business micromanages every step from the fields to the cup to ensure the best quality coffee you're ever going to have. It starts with the beans that are grown in Honduras. Honduras's volcanic soil and humid climate make the perfect growing conditions for coffee plants, which produce the best beans ever. Then each batch is tested for its aroma, taste, and other aspects to meet the highest standards in the coffee industry. And after that, it goes into production, which is all done right here in the USA. It's like you're getting that small batch specialty coffee, but delivered right to your front door. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code and you'll get your very own My Coffee for 25% off. You guys all know that I've traveled the country for the past year and a half. I've stayed in hundreds of hotels. I've tried every coffee out there. Well, some of the coffees have that terrible aftertaste some that leave me jittery or I get an upset stomach. Well, my coffee is different. It's the richest, smoothest, best coffee I've ever had. My coffee comes in a variety of flavors. You get them ground or whole bean, plus it's certified organic and non-GMO. I guarantee it'll be the best coffee you've ever had. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get my coffee for 25% off. And I'm going to give you deep discounts on all my store products. That's mystore.com. It's my new platform for USA entrepreneurs. Please order now. The world is about to shift. Banks are going cashless globally with the emergence of central bank digital currency, which will bring with it programmable money and the ability to turn on or off your purchasing power based on your digital social profile. It's like the equivalent of spyware in your bank account. You need to get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, PhD, 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. What if there was a product that could help you control cravings? 
burn more fat, boost your metabolism, promote healthy blood glucose levels, lower inflammation, optimize insulin sensitivity, support healthy blood lipid levels, and support healthy blood pressure. Introducing Bellatrim. Bellatrim may be the most comprehensive body transformation product in the world. Weight management is more than calories in and calories out. It's about controlling appetite, having a healthier gut, supporting insulin function, stimulating fat-burning metabolism, and promoting healthy blood lipids and blood pressure. A proprietary blend backed by six clinical studies. Control cravings. Burn more fat. Bellatrim, powered by nature, backed by science. Listening to the Pete Santilli Show. Pete Santilli telling you the truth, whether you like it or not. All right, all right. Craig, we're uh, we're back. All right, and I'm. Uh... <sighs> My goodness. Uh, everybody takes the weekend off. Must be nice, right? <laughs> just kidding. <clears throat> no, not not everybody. I'm not talking about my, I'm just talking about the world. But everybody who actually was working hard in Iowa, a lot of, a lot of people I saw working on the ground in Iowa. Big ground game. Um, we're going to dig into Vivek Rubber Swampy. Um rubber swampy that guy's got a, he's got a background uh that that is worthy of everybody taking a look at because you know somebody that you're considering for a president just because he throws out a couple of america first isms uh they think that that he's our he's our guy uh and that's not necessarily the case i'm going to put up uh here a rough version of uh, you're going to have to pardon me for not having a a good clean version of the market data like I did before, but I'm going to put it on the screen so that you can speak to it here. Uh, are you kidding me? Sorry about that. Um, already got the CIA just calling me because they got their little timing schedule going on here. Stand by. Hold on one second. Mm -mm -mm. All right, sir. Market data, um, uh, global economic data uh, for the week. You always take a look at that. We should always be taking a look at that because as this data comes out, of course, um, as we say, we all have a dog in the fight because it's going to have an impact on the markets. Um, let's uh, let's take a look at this as it is right there. All right, talk, talk to this for one second. I'm going to run right across the room and turn down the speakers because they're blasting. Go ahead, talk through it. Yep. Okay, good. So again, today, Monday, right, the, uh, we had the Germany WPI wholesale um, producers index, and that came in very weak. So that's 
minus 0.6% versus 0.2% expected. That's a big, big, big miss, right? So that is, that just is a red flag to me in terms of a deflationary type of a structure setting up in, in Europe. Now that doesn't mean it's here. I know our cost of food and everything is continues to climb. I mean, you know, you go out to dinner and it's just outrageous, right? You go to the grocery store, it's outrageous. I get all that, right? However, and you know, these numbers, if we can trust them, which I'm starting to see this trend come through, this is very, very, very concerning to me that we're deflationary. Um, and so um, in a lot of, and maybe not globally, comprehensively, but in certain spaces. So we need to pay attention to this, right? To see if this continues. Then Tuesday, right? And then we, of course, we have the World Economic Forum starting up today, right? And this is going to run for a while. We're going to get all the big names coming out, right? All the big investors, all the big mergers and deals, all the big talkers are going to come out. And we're going to get swamped with World Economic Forum stuff over the coming weeks. And it's gonna be very controlled, like I said at the beginning of the program, I don't think they're gonna be careless. I think they've got, you know, damage control people before the damage occurs. They are they are gonna be on this with a clean message, right? And we're not gonna like the message, but it's gonna be a clean message in my opinion. So let's watch and see what happens there. And Tuesday, we're gonna to start to get Empire State Manufacturing Index. We're gonna look at that. It's kind of an interesting number. We won't go into detail on it, but we'll cover it tomorrow. We get. Uh, governor Bailey out of England, he's going to speak. He's the Bank of England governor. We're going to get Chinese industrial production on Tuesday. Um, we're going to look at those closely, um, that Chinese industrial production. I like to look at these numbers to see if there isn't a trend. Can't trust the data out of China, but collectively, maybe we can. Uh, but individually, it's it's dangerous to trust one number, but collectively, the collective numbers come out of China, I think we can trust. Then Wednesday, we get... Um, EU final core CPI, we get some retail sales out of the US, we get the FOMC beige book around two o'clock on Wednesday, we'll get housing, we kick off the housing data this week, and then and we'll roll, we'll finish the week up with Philly Fed, housing starts, existing home sales, um, and we'll finish it and we'll get a University of Michigan sentiment number on Friday. Big data, now, big data week, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, I'm it, just looking at it, it really is. I mean, it really is a pretty, it's it's a hodgepodge. There isn't a central theme except for the two things, World Economic Forum and housing. Those are the two big things we're watching this week. I want, uh, this housing is important to me, right? I think it's a very, we hear about student debt. We hear about credit card debt. We hear about, you know, car debt. We hear about housing. Housing's, you know, when you look at how the CPI numbers are calculated, we, we need to factor this in. Housing is a very important component of CPI. You know, they, they use it to, I think, distort the numbers sometimes. So we want to pay close attention to these housing numbers because they're not going to give it to us straight. We need to figure it out for ourselves. Just like in 2008, P, you and I have had this conversation many times. Nobody, you and I didn't know each other then, but we were both pounding the table to everybody we knew. Housing market's going to crash, right? Yeah. It's coming. But, you know, you fight. 80 to 90% of the people you come up against, they say, oh, get out of here, right? But, you know... I don't sense that with housing right now, but we're paying close attention, right? You know, uh, and I was on the uh, public speaking circuit at the time. I'll never forget it. I mean, it was, uh, I was being called anti-American in Southern California because I, you know, I said never before has the market gone backwards, okay? But it is going to. We're going to have yeah. negative equity in valuations in our homes. That's what's going to happen when this giant sucking sound happens and the subprime mortgage lending thing catches up and everybody living high on the hog by throwing on 
second mortgages. And then remember those mortgages? I, I mean, I was literally talking to uh, mortgage people. They had this thing called no-nos, no income, uh, no employment verification. They were just throwing people in the houses. Yeah. Uh, no verification whatsoever. I mean, it was, and, and I'm like, and they're packaging, packaging these things up in mortgage-backed securities and then selling them off to other countries at, as AAA rated. I'm like, AAA rated? These people are going to lose their jobs economically. You know, what happens if one person loses their job? And you're, you're not even verifying income. Right. No yeah. verification. I mean, it was reckless. Right. But you're the but you're the un-American one. Right? I was the un-American, un-American one because I said, oh, and I was putting I was putting I was a chart guy back then. I'm not a big chart guy, but I'm like, you see this right here? This is uh, basically the higher you uh, climb the the right. The higher you climb, the harder the fall is when you fall off the ledge. But um, uh, uh, Craig. All right. We are going to we're going to shift gears here. I'm going to I'm going to turn you loose if I can. Yep. Uh, unless you have other things that we need to cover. We held you way over, but uh, thank you very much for staying over. Yeah, no problem. So uh, we didn't cover much on markets today. We did cover the dollar a little bit from the chart perspective, but um, we did cover a lot with Dr. Kirk and, you, you know, we covered quite a bit, you know, with the election and stuff. And we're going to keep coming back to revisit this stuff. Tomorrow we'll probably take a dive into, I'm sure everybody's interested in seeing where the stock market is. So we'll take a look at that. We do have Pol- harmonic. Poland is huge. Big news coming out Poland of Poland. Uh, we'll probably uh, come back to that a little bit later because what's going to happen is um, we're going to take a uh, a break coming away and then we're going to go to Ed Dowd, who has uh, a lot to say. And you guys are going to love this interview with Ed Dowd. Um, do we have a troll in our Rumble chat, uh, Angie? How are we doing? We have, Do we have a troll? Can you just kick him? He's, he's disturbing me. I have a right to peaceful enjoyment of looking at the chat. I see somebody in there wreaking it. Are they, do we have one? And we are, uh, here, huh? Okay. We are. Okay. She's got her little troll gun out, ready to go. All right. Uh, Craig, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me. Deb- have a great day. Pete. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah. You too. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to go for, it's going to be a two hour show every morning, every morning, seven o'clock, uh, until, we're going to do a seven to eight with Craig eight to nine. We'll cover the news headlines and have other guests. We're going to be covering, you know, the financials in that first hour with market ultra uh, proceed into the morning news headlines. Of course, we're going to be featured on rumble and on LFA TV, uh, kicking that off officially and formally exclusively on rumble, but we're, it's not going to be exclusive because we're of course broadcasting over to frankspeech.com. That's frankspeech.com, which I say hello and good morning to each and every one of you. But for right now, uh, we have to break away very temporarily. And I'm going to let the interview play through. And then we'll come back and Deb and I will be going over the spectacular news coming out of Iowa because today is caucus day. It's going to be an exciting day to say the least. Uh, I think think i'm assuming um that that president trump is going to dominate what say you folks do you think he will uh what are you hearing out of out of iowa 
Uh, do you think uh, President Trump's going to finish out strong? I think he is. I think Ron DeSantis's career is going to be over here uh, by the end of the day. It's almost certain. Um, almost certain. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, stay right there. Uh, right after this message, we'll be back with the interview with Ed Dowd. And before we'll open uh, just uh, this morning of the Pete Santilli show, transitioning away from the financials into the steak and potatoes. This is John Ritzheimer, and you are listening to the Pete Santilli show. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. I get products all the time from entrepreneurs for my new platform, MyStore.com. And when I tried My Coffee for the first time, I was blown away. It is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. I spent the last four months doing my due diligence, and this family-owned business micromanages every step from the fields to the cup to ensure the best quality coffee you're ever gonna have. It starts with the beans that are grown in Honduras. Honduras's volcanic soil and humid climate make the perfect growing conditions for coffee plants, which produce the best beans ever. Then each batch is tested for its aroma, taste, and other aspects to meet the highest standards in the coffee industry. And after that, it goes into production, which is all done right here in the USA. It's like you're getting that small batch specialty coffee, but delivered right to your front door. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code and you'll get your very own My Coffee for 25% off. You guys all know that I've traveled the country for the past year and a half. I've stayed in hundreds of hotels. I've tried every coffee out there. Well, some of the coffees have that terrible aftertaste, some that leave me jittery, or I get an upset stomach. Well, my coffee is different. It's the richest, smoothest, best coffee I've ever had. My coffee comes in a variety of flavors. You get them ground or whole bean, plus it's certified organic and non-GMO. I guarantee it'll be the best coffee you've ever had. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get my coffee for 25% off. And I'm going to give you deep discounts on all my store products. That's mystore.com. It's my new platform for USA entrepreneurs. Please order now. The world is about to shift. Banks are going cashless globally with the emergence of central bank digital currency, which will bring with it programmable money and the ability to turn on or off your purchasing power based on your digital social profile. It's like the equivalent of spyware in your bank account. You need to get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, PhD, 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. With key ingredients supported by over 80 clinical trials. The exclusive formulation of the Bella Grace Elixir is changing lives everywhere. Ingesting collagen peptides alone is not very helpful. This is where most products fall short and where Bella Grace changes everything. Unlike other products, the Bella Grace Elixir 
controls the gene switches which activate collagen creation and disables the enzymes that break down the matrix. Bella Grace Elixir contains Verisol, the world's best and most clinically studied form of collagen. These elite collagen peptides influence the skin's collagen metabolism directly from the inside. Nature's most powerful antioxidant. 6,000 times more potent than vitamin C, Astereal Astaxanthin prevents the activation of gene switches that drive inflammation and activates the gene switch responsible for cellular repair and longevity, forming bridges across cell membranes, protecting them from free radical attack. Amazonian cat's claw suppresses the enzymes that degrade collagen and our skin matrix caused by oxidants and inflammation. It simply turns the switch off. The world's most studied collagen, plus activating the genes that make collagen, plus switching off the genes that break down collagen, has resulted in something the world has never experienced. The Bella Grace Elixir. Start your 30-day Bella Grace Challenge today. This is John Rick. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And like I said, uh, Deb Jordan, I need some breathing room. Let's say hello. I say some breathing room. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. First of all, I want to say congratulations to you. We're on the final uh, wind down. You have five days to change your mind. <laughs> okay. Um, right. You have five days to change your mind. Are you, yeah. are you, how are you feeling? Are you getting nervous? You're getting cold feet? No, I'm not I, getting cold feet. I'm in this to win this. I uh, know. I still always. haven't changed your uh it's called the lower third down to the bottom there here uh yeah it says deb jordan well you won't do that we everybody that, right? call her deb jordan as long as you can because <sighs> it's going to be over yeah uh by the end of the week yeah um listen to you yes listen to me on uh thursday and friday there will be best ofs and you know what you guys seriously um we've never uh taken uh, we take a few days off here and there but uh we have to do this uh there's some travel associated with that uh, oh we're getting married on someone's birthday we are vlh 58 says you guys are getting married on my birthday yay oh that's so awesome happy birthday to you on the 20th yeah fantastic happy yeah. birthday to you all right listen Say hello to everybody real quick. Uh-huh. Um, I will. Let's get settled in, and let's also remind everybody, uh, Deb Santilli, LOL. What does that mean? <laughs> Onk. Why is that an LOL? I don't know. He said LOL. It'll be hard to get used to. We get used to it. Deb used Santilli. It. Yeah. Pete and Deb Santilli. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. You'll get used to it, Onk. I promise. So Pete a big is, hello to Pete's everybody. a squish low. Karen's too high. Karen is not on the the regular stream anyway. But is uh, our audio doing okay out on the mainstream? I don't know because nobody is listening. Except <laughs> I do. Yeah, we sound good. On the back line too. Thank you, V VLH. Oh, back! Yeah. I didn't do a thing. I didn't do anything. Uh, is that great? It's 
crazy. It's weird how that is. Um, crazy. Okay. All right. Uh, News Girl SC says, Deb, you look beautiful this morning. Oh, thank you so much. And Kiki Malay says, so excited for you both. Congrats on your uh, on your 20th. And by the way, you guys, um, no more drinking buddies, Pete. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't Pete do drinking do, buddies. Yeah, Pete yeah, I'm not a big... Uh, pretty, Pete is pretty much a, you know... Uh, a homebody well not a homebody he goes out a lot but he's more of a stay-at-home guy i think you know he doesn't go too many places without me he goes to get his hair cut ah. uh, what's yeah. that i don't know but i like it you know no he, he goes gets his hair cut you know little things like getting the getting the car oil mm. changed and stuff like that so you know he's pretty much we're pretty much with each other 24-7. And are. it's been that way for a good many years now. So there you go. Yep. My boots are parked in one <laughs> specific place. Amen. Uh, yes. Amen. All right. Now, listen, you guys are going to love this. Pete's too busy to drink or smoke weed. I definitely don't smoke weed. <laughs> he cannot. I can't. It's been a long time since we've had a. I'm an upper cocaine too. kind of guy. You know, but I, I just got doesn't. What? I don't do cocaine. I'm just saying, yeah. like, that's the. I mean, if I were going to do drugs, my drug of choice would be. Uh, my drug of choice would be cocaine. Because I tried it a couple times. It was so awesome. I said, ooh, I ain't going there anymore. <laughs> that's when I was really young, you know. Uh, and then. Um, and then, of course, I said, like, if if the doctor says, Pete, you've got, like, one week to live, I'm going to just cash out and just go buy a bunch of cocaine. Big Tupperware bowl full and just stay up the whole week. Yeah. And and troll everybody <laughs> online. So, I'm not going to. I mean, would you sleep? If you had, like, one, you knew you had one week to live. Would you go to sleep? Well, if you only had one week to live, you'd be pretty sick. And you probably wouldn't have much choice. Oh, I, I bet you the cocaine would offset that. I wouldn't be feeling sick anymore. Yeah. Uh, Deb has already trained Pete pre-marriage. That's and, crash and splash. And, and yeah, and, and uh, you know, quite literally me too, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Ed Dowd, uh, this interview, it's awesome. You guys are going to love it. Uh, if you don't know who Ed Dowd is, you're about to find out. All right. Mm. Where are you? And it, you're still, uh, we're proning finance, right? You're the founding partner and still running finance yeah, I, I, I'm a founding partner of Finance Technologies. Okay. That's the website I want to plug, financetechnologies.com with a a PH. Absolutely. All right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> It's been a little while. I'm so glad that uh, my next guest comes back on. I had a great conversation with him uh, last time. And if you tune into this show, you've probably seen me run his previous clips. He does such important work in educating the public. Two realms, the financial realm and, you know, uh, investigating the, uh, you know, we're going to call the, the, the China virus, the Wuhan lab leak. I'm going to talk a little bit about that with uh, Ed Dowd. He's currently a founding partner with Finance Technology. 
uh, which is a, a global macro alternative investment firm. He's worked on Wall Street most of his career, spanning uh, both credit markets and equity markets. Some of the firms he worked for include HSBC, Donaldson, Lufkin, and Generate, uh, Independence Investments, and most notably at BlackRock as a portfolio manager, where he managed a $14 billion growth equity portfolio for 10 years. After BlackRock, um, Ed Dowd founded Ocean Square Asset Management with two former BlackRock colleagues, and he comes back again to the Pete Santilli Show. Sir, we're honored to have you on. Uh, and coincidentally, I was telling you right before we came on, um, partner of mine and I have started because it's such an important time. You know, we're an independent media and, you know, we've got these shiny coins over here while we have an implosion of the, you know, the, the global monetary system. So much stuff is happening. And if people are not paying attention, even if you don't analyze, you know, the markets or take a look at the charts and that's all boring to you. Every person has a dog in this fight because our economic prosperity and all of this uncertainty with the de-pegging of, you know, uh, the trading of oil to the dollar, major things are happening. The CBD, uh, the, the central bank uh, digital currencies, um, everyone needs to be paying attention to what's going on. Uh, don't you agree, Ed? Pete, to your point, it's never been more dangerous to not be aware of the re realities of the world. Uh, if you're not aware of what's happened with the COVID vaccines, you potentially continue to injure yourself. If you're not aware of what's going on in the global financial system, you won't be prepared for what's coming and you'll be in shock and you won't be able to handle it. You'll, you'll, you'll lose your mind. But if you know these two things and you pay attention to independent media and people like Pete, you're going to be prepared mentally. Men the mental game's half the battle. If you don't live in fear and panic, you'll uh, be able to survive the other side of this. And uh, there's tremendous opportunity and a renaissance coming because we're not going to let this enslavement system go down, which is what the central bank digital currency is. It's total enslavement. You have done deep research. If you don't mind, I want to uh, take a small portion of our time because we need to talk about the financial stuff. And I've got a bunch of stuff. Absolutely. To but the, the um, I, I studied this pretty well. And it was through, you know, your research and, and uh, RFK Jr.'s book, The Truth About Anthony Fauci, and all those revelations, this is what I discovered. DARPA, well before September of 2019, well before, not exactly one, but uh, uh, Dr. David Martin, his presentation to the EU Parliament exposed a lot about how far back this goes. But as recently as 2019, prior to September 2019, um, DARPA, uh, Announced there's documentation, uh, declassified document that they aerosolized um, SARS-CoV-2. And then September of 2019, the Wuhan lab, there were satellite photos we now discovered from the CIA whistleblowers that the parking lot was full one day. It was empty the next day. The military went into the lab the following day, generally, right? But within a matter of a couple weeks after that, Averill Haynes from the CIA is sitting next to George Gow, the CDC equivalent uh, uh, for the CCP, and he had to have known that there was a leak and uh, some major incident at the Wuhan lab. And they're sitting there in front of these influencers saying, well, in this tabletop exercise, we're going to discuss how to flood the zone and uh, cover those conspiracy theories about a potential lab leak. And that was at a time where we didn't even know how to spell COVID. What I just said in the research you've done, am I, am I picking up on the details? Is that pretty accurate? 
as to what yeah, happened? As, as time unfolds and we get a chance to look at history, this is increasingly look like looks like an intended lab leak or, or, or unintended. Doesn't matter. But what we do know is event 201, uh, where they wargamed such a leak, occurred literally in October of 2019. Mm -hmm. And so the coincidence is uh, too unbelievable for me to not think that uh, people had prior knowledge as to what was coming down the pike. You know, they, they claim COVID didn't really make it to the U.S. until... Uh, you know, January or so, but that, that to me doesn't make any sense. I was living on, living on Maui at the time. It's already in Hawaii in uh, uh, October, November, and December. People were getting sick with a mysterious bug, but there was no panic because we weren't told to panic yet. But I remember people getting COVID in the fall, uh, early winter of 2019 on Maui for, for fact certain, as far as I can recollect, people were coming down with they, what they called a flu. They couldn't shake for two to four weeks. Now, fast forward, and this is where I was going. Avril Haines is now the, she's in charge. Joe Biden put her in charge of the, as the director of uh, national intelligence over all intel agencies. And she's in charge of researching the origins or the possibility of the lab leak. So there she was trying to cover up the potential lab leak. And now she's in charge of investigating that. Is that not true? Do you, are you aware of that? Yeah, uh, look, that that makes total sense. Look, look, there's a pattern of this going on way way back. I mean, let's 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 go to the uh, the Trump Russia hoax. They put the people in charge who uh, perpetrated the hoax, and then there's cover up after cover up. Uh, there's really never been any reckoning going as far back as Snowden, and uh, I forget some of the uh, the the heads of the NSA. I forget the guy's name, Clapper. Yeah. is up there basically basically perjuring himself and there were no consequences. So we, we live in a banana republic. And once you come to grips with that, you can act accordingly. You experienced banana republic nonsense yourself mm -hmm. uh, with the Bundy Ranch and, uh, incident and subsequent things that happened to you. This, we live in a banana republic. There's but, no doubt in my mind. By the way, you want an update? You may not be aware of this. Uh, li little known, uh, after now almost 10 years, a judge Federal judge in Nevada signed off after years of litigating, thanks to a federal whistleblower. A judge said that it was all an operation run by the government for the purpose of provoking an armed confrontation. And all of the indictments are going to be wiped out. Everyone's going to be compensated for that's, that's fabulous news. That great? Let's think about what that's awesome. Let's think about what happened to you trying to provoke an armed conflict. Let's go to Jan 6. Same playbook, same, same playbook. Same people in my discovery are, were involved with January 6th. It's the same crew. They experimented, at, you know, at a, a micro level, uh, surveillance yeah. technology, declaring people to be terrorists. Do you know why they declared them to be uh, terrorists for January 6th? Because it activates their surveillance capabilities, like going to a FISA court. That's the reason why they call half of America uh, a terrorist or domestic terrorist or anybody involved with supporting President Trump so that they can surveil them because they're domestic terrorists. What I learned recently is you are a domestic terrorist now if you provide information that's true but undermines trust in the government. Let me say that again. Oh it's my true goodness. but undermines trust in the government. That's called that malinformation, malinformation. Bone chilling what you just said.
Yeah. Bone chilling. All right, sir. The uh, uh, final comment here, based on your, you know, 50,000 foot view, your analysis, you know, the next one is coming because they've built up an infrastructure. They've got their wastewater surveillance uh, and testing, right, to determine whether or not a certain city or a zip code is uh, potentially going to have, a, you know, a, an outbreak. They've got the WHO that will declare a public health emergency of international. They have all of the right ingredients in place. To, to do the big clamp down even worse than they did last time. What's your biggest concern as it relates to the, the health aspects of tyranny or the, from the medical well, industrial complex? It, it, it's beyond the pale. I didn't think they could run this operation again, but the WEF is meeting next week. And uh, on the agenda item, December, uh, January 17th of this month, is a discussion of disease X. A disease X is going to be 20 times more deadly than COVID. And how do we prepare for that? You can't make this up. They call it disease, disease acts that's 20 times more deadly. You know, this, this is, you know, anybody who buys this uh, at this point is not working with the full set. You know what I found out this week, and I'm glad you bring this up because I want to mention it to you. I think it'll, it'll get your spidey senses up and you'll want to take a look at it. Did you know the U.S. Um, encouraged uh, Taiwan to build a level four lab, uh, a level four. And I, I'm sure you know what a level four lab is. That's basically containing viruses or uh, pathogens that have, there's no cure. There's no way to control them. So they have to keep them contained in these level four labs. They say it's for defensive purposes in Taiwan. And little known, it's being spoken of out there. But I think that has something to do with this potential you know, conflict by the CCP and G wanting to go into Taiwan. And are, are we pushing back on it? Are you following anything that's happening out there? And were you aware of the, uh, the bioweapons lab out there? I was not, but it doesn't surprise me. Mm. Disease X could be two possibilities. It could be a fake, a, a fake one where they try to scare us. That's one, two, uh, actually three possibilities. Number two, uh, they do release something that's, you know, very deadly, has to be airborne. Uh, uh, that's manufactured in a lab. Or three, uh, the damage uh, that we're seeing from the vaccines that have already rolled out really starts to kick in with compromised immune systems, uh, turbo cancers, heart attacks, and that's cover for what, what they just did. It's mm-hmm. cover for what they just did. Uh, fr- frightening to say the least, but uh, do you believe that the, the world, uh, the population is awakened enough to see that there's mass resistance to what they did last time? Do you think that there's enough people awake to their two weeks to flatten the curve thing that's stretched out over a couple of years? Well, it's, it, it's a scale of awareness, right? You know, there's, there's people like you and me who know what's going on and your audience and I call the red meat crowd. Mm-hmm. The red meat crowd is, is, is gaining uh, traction and growing bigger and bigger. But a Rasmussen poll came out recently, I just saw it today, where 54% of respondents believe that the vaccine has injured or caused the death of someone. So that is the seed of doubt. And maybe those people who know that will start to red pill themselves. Because you, you, you and I have been doing this a while, and you, you're subjected to the, uh, the, a government sting operation. And you know it's hard to red pill people um, until there's an event for them that occurs and they go searching on their own. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to break into and come back. As soon as we come back, we will conclude the conversation uh, with Ed Dowd. All right. 
busy, busy news morning. I'll tell you, uh, extremely busy uh, news morning. It's caucus day. A lot of stuff happening in Taiwan. Major stuff happening. Most people have no idea how significant it is to be attacking the Houthis, okay? And I've heard uh, over the weekend some analysis from a couple of different people. I mean, this this is a, a major, major thing going on with Yemen. Um, obviously, Taiwan, uh, we're going to get an update on that election that took place out there. And then, of course, Deb and I will uh, conclude the show with a conversation about what's going on in Iowa. Uh, we're going to break away and come back with Colonel, parentheses, retired, um, not retired, he's almost active duty in a, his capacity to serve the American public and the entire world for that matter. He's uh, going to be reporting live from Taiwan, getting ready uh, to pull up stakes and, and head back to continental United States. Uh, we'll be back with, uh, with the colonel in just a couple of, of minutes here. Um, stay right there. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, right after this short message uh, please support us by supporting our sponsors. Um, we could not do what we do without the support uh, of our viewership. We're certainly not brought to you by um, by Big Pharma. We'll be right back right after this. This is Austin Steinbar, and you are tuned in to the Pete Santilli Show. Banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world. But in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks. And the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. To celebrate the new year, we're having the biggest sale ever on overstock clearance and brand new products. For example, save 60% on our Goose Down comforters, the best comforters ever. They go perfectly with our MyPillow bed sheets and duvet covers. Save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels. They're made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Our initial quantities are extremely low, so get them now before they go. Our seasonal flannel sheets are fine. Finally in, you save up to 50% and they sell out fast every year, so order now. They're truly the best flannel sheets you'll ever sleep on. Or save up to 80% on all our clearance items. And this is where it gets even better. For a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all MyPillow products. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. G'day, I'm Dr. Mark Miller for Now, China's top diplomat has warned that any steps towards Taiwan's independence will be severely punished. It follows the election of William Lai as the island's new president. He's viewed by Beijing as a dangerous separatist 
Speaking during a visit to Egypt, China's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Wang Yi, had this to say. Taiwan's election is a regional affair within China. No matter what the results of the election are, they cannot change the basic fact that there is only one China and Taiwan is a part of it. Taiwan has never been a country. It wasn't in the past and it certainly won't be in the future. Meanwhile, China has accused the U.S. of sending a gravely wrong signal to those pushing for Taiwan's independence. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken congratulated President-elect William Lai on Saturday. That message was seen by Beijing as a violation of Washington's commitment to maintain only unofficial ties with Taiwan. For the very latest, let's take you live to Taipei and the BBC's Steve Lai. Steve, good to see you. What's the mood in Taipei this morning? Yeah, so those words of congratulations uh, from Anthony Blinken have been backed up uh, with some actions as well. Just yesterday, a delegation of U.S. former senior officials arrived in Taipei, and they're expected to meet uh, with various uh, leaders here today. We'll have to wait and see uh, what comes out of those meetings and what words uh, get shared between the two of those parties. In the meantime, uh, let's get more sort of reaction to what we've seen over the weekend's elections uh, with Sharu Shirley Lin. She's a research professor at the University of Virginia. Shirley, thanks for your time today. Uh, firstly, these election results show that Taiwan will actually have a weaker parliament uh, and a weaker for the next four years, given the split of how the parties have sort of divided up the parliamentary seats. Uh, what do you make of that? And uh, particularly now that TPP looks like they could hold some leverage in parliament. Yeah, I think, uh, Steve, the election was uh, very much as expected in terms of the presidential uh, election. But what was surprising was the parliament. Uh, for the parliament, I think it's pretty clear the Taiwanese people had a different idea of uh, the leaders and what party they support. There was a split in the sense that people voted for one presidential candidate but didn't vote for their party. In the case of both DPP and KMT, the biggest winner was the Taiwan uh, People's Party, which won eight seats, whereas the KMT and uh, DPP each had 52 and 51 seats respectively. It seems strange to say that uh, with eight seats, they're the big winners in this election. So what sway will they have? You know, I'm with uh, uh, Colonel Mills. Sir, you just heard, and I played that clip. Uh, when I heard that, it reminded me of, you know, of the majority of America, 800 million people uh, voting for Joe Biden. Uh but the down ticket uh, blank or them voting for an opposite party. Uh, sir, that, that's just my, I mean, for, with, with the parliamentary picks versus the presidential pick, is that an indication of election manipulation as far as you can, uh, you can see? And by the way, welcome back, sir. Uh, great job out there in Taiwan. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, packing tonight and leaving in the morning. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, let, let me say here, I, I with, with, so it was a clean win for the presidency, Pete. Um, no question about it. Almost seven points for William Lai. And that in itself, somebody with an English uh, given name, uh, that was actually where there was a meeting after the day after on Sunday here with four uh, respected uh, academics and the media. And they actually pointed that out that in the, in the, in the Taiwan psyche, just having somebody with an English name is actually a big deal. Um, and William Lai, I mean, he, he was running as uh, 
um, Lai Ching Ti, but his, his, he often goes by William Lai. Um, <clears throat> so he was a clean win, and that was the candidate that uh, China did not want. If somebody was going to manipulate the vote, I think they would have manipulated that vote for sure. Um, but the split, uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, there's never been a split, uh, split legislature. They call it the legislative yuan. There's never been a split legislature. Um, I, I, there was somebody from the university of Virginia, um, talking about that. I don't know how much of a message we can interpret out of that. Um, it remains to be seen. Uh, and the academics said, frankly, this has never happened before. So we're going to, it's going to be up to the three parties to kind of figure this out. I kind of lean toward the, uh, the thesis that, uh, it's going to likely be that the, uh, the DPP, uh, ally and, uh, and the TPP, uh, the Taiwan people's party working something out. The TPP was running as kind of the middle of the road party between the two parties. Uh, uh, the DPP uh, was looked at as the more uh, mega Taiwan first. Uh, and, and we did many man on the street interviews. We did far more interviews with uh, and not we wanted to do more with the KMT. It was really hard to find KMT, a KMT rally and KMT supporters would talk to the media. Uh, I don't know what it was. Um, many of them were far older and just did not want to talk to media. Um, the, the DPP had a far more um, stratified uh, demographic, I mean, from young to old, and same with the TPP. But uh, so I kind of uh, am thinking that the the DPP is going to align with the TPP was playing playing the center of the road. Now, there's some concerns with um, uh, Ko Wenji, the, uh, the doctor who's the leader of the TPP. But at the same time, uh, in writing, I think he, out of the three candidates, he actually had the strongest of defense. Everybody said they wanted a defense buildup, even the KMT, which had fought it in the legislature. Um, but the, uh, the TPP actually said they should move from 2.5 to 3% of GDP. That's a huge change. Uh, so the other two parties actually didn't quite, you know, establish a specific numeric on growth for the defense budget, but uh, they all three advocated it. Now the, the legacy KMT, uh, the assessment is even though they had one more seat, they had fifty-two seats versus fifty-one in the one hundred and thirteen seat legislature. Um, all other factors considered, uh, the KMT is seen as a declining party. It's the legacy party. It's seen as in the pocket of China. And one, one factoid that when I was at the, uh, the KMT press conference, uh, uh, who, uh, who, uh, uh, UE, uh, waved around this article that he was very proud of and it was on everybody's seat, uh, was a article from, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations uh, magazine, uh, Foreign Affairs. And we, we know uh, that's definitely a globalist institution. Mm. Well, an, artic an article from who was in the uh, Foreign Affairs and it was, it was outlining his case. And it basically was very, let me just make it very simplistic. A vote for, the, for William Lyon, the DPP, was a vote for war. A vote for me, meaning who of the KMT, was a vote for peace. This is straight out of the Democrat playbook of 1984 against Ronald Reagan by Walter Mondale, straight out. That was, that was the message in 1984, you vote for Reagan, it's war, you vote for me, it's peace. Same message here. Mm. So kind of, I, mean, I, I, I am pretty sure 
that article was ghostwritten for William Lai. I'm pretty sure that somebody, uh, Richard Haas is the director, is, I, I, uh, I think he might be retired from the director of the Council on Foreign Relations. I've actually talked to the guy. Yeah, I actually have his telephone or I've actually picked up the phone and called him. And he actually talks and seems to be a reasonable guy, but in the end, it's a globalist institution. And uh, they ghost wrote that article for the KMT, and I think they were acting as shills for the KMT. So, uh, you know, so you got to look at it. Globalist populism won in this election, and and remember, this is the third victory in a row. In November we had two key victories: uh, 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 Javier Milai of Argentina and Gert Wilders in the Netherlands. So this is the third win in a row for populism. Yes, sir. And Blinken, have you heard from Blinken? We're hearing from Blinken here because he's picking up uh, uh, the phone, of course, and congratulating the Taiwanese president. Uh, That move, you know, very early on. Blinken says, we look forward to working with Dr. Lai and Taiwan's leaders of all parties to advance our shared interests and values, adding that the U.S. is committed to maintaining cross straight peace and stability um what is what is your take on on antony blinken's uh generally his foreign policy attitude is topsy-turvy well but. well i mean okay that's a reasonable statement out of blinken i'm always going to call balls and strikes fairly that is a reasonable statement mm-hmm. what is was not a reasonable statement was biden who was regurgitating this tired old talking points of state department saying we do not we do words to the effect we don't want taiwan's independence hey it's not our call whether taiwan is independent or not they are 24 million people they don't need anybody's permission to be independent they've been operating as a sovereign independent nation for almost almost 50 years now so we we need these tired talking points from state department need to be updated there is only one china it's that big country to the left. This is not China. This is the country and the nation state of Taiwan. These are not Chinese. Most most people in Taiwan get a bit offended if you start referring to them as Chinese, i.e. inferring that they're Chinese, like, because they're, they literally have different, uh, uh, um, the Mandarin symbols for their form. When they use, there's two, there's, there's, they use a different form of Mandarin symbols for the mainland than they do for Taiwan. So just trying to whitewash them and group them with the, with the mainland is, is absolutely wrong in so many ways. Uh, and it's really this, this pablum that, uh, uh, Sleepy Joe regurgitated uh, onto his bib uh, about uh, we don't want independence. We don't see we don't support independence for Taiwan. It's not our call. Hmm. Not our call. We know 24 million people. We have some pretty crazy uh, uh, nations that get a seat in the United Nations. I think it's time to have representation in the United Nations for Taiwan. And it uh, it says here, China viewed the message as a violation of Washington's commitment to maintain only unofficial ties with Taiwan. The conflict is clearly the result of the U.S. neocons and even Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan, which gave the people the impression that the United States was supporting war with China. So uh, China's not receiving Blinken's congratulatory call. Some massive uh, diplomatic moves. What are you hearing um, on the ground there from what China is saying regarding the election? 
Well, if there is going to be a an invasion in the near term, uh, China, if you look at the, 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 the stormy typhoon season starts about June, they need to start executing the railway timetable for logistics now if they're going to invade before the stormy season and it does get pretty rough mm-hmm. this is uh, it, it, it gets pretty rough high winds uh high high sea states and uh and uh, a lot of typhoon like typhoon. activity mm-hmm. near 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 near, near typhoon uh uh weather so this is pretty much the standard so they got to start moving now because by june to october it's very dicey when it comes to weather and the the chinese have never done anything like this and And, they need to start and factor i'm sorry to interrupt and then you got to factor in the uh potential re-election the highly probable re-election of president trump so they've got a very short window yeah, yeah, yeah. They and they don't want Trump back in office. I uh, Xi has been conducting a uh, unbelievable purge of his military leadership. Uh, you know, he now has uh, admirals in place. It's unprecedented. He has admirals in place. It's just kind of goofy the way the, the the Chinese do this, but it's the People's Liberation Army is the overarching military uniform military thing. But that consists of the army. It consists of the the, the P- People's Liberation Army Navy, the People's Liberation Army Air Force. It seems a bit redundant, but that's just their, their that's their terminology. And uh, um, now he has admirals as uh, the commander of the strategic uh, missile forces, and also he is an admiral leading the PLA uh, proper. Um, unprecedented in Chinese history, uh, communist history. So uh, he's purging. Does that mean they're not ready? I mean, a such a turbulent leadership situation is not good for planning and preparation, uh, unless you want absolute disaster and chaos. But uh, um, that's uh, that's what's going on. Don't don't take it off the table though. But uh, we're going to start seeing indicators of logistical preparation soon if they're going to invade uh you know because they really would have to invade about april uh to have it all wrapped up because otherwise if uh, they're gonna if they if they establish a little beachhead and then the storms hit it's not going to bode well for the chinese so uh very very dicey situation um the chinese have been flying balloons uh over uh taiwan multiple balloons uh the wording of some of the Taiwanese releases might might be construed as they shot them down, uh, unclear. Um, and uh, there was, uh, during one of the press conferences, there was a, 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 a amber, national amber alert uh, on a Chinese missile launch. The wording in Mandarin and in English was a little bit less than specific, less than precise. So uh, um, it did cause, uh, frankly, in the news conference I was in, it caused pandemonium. Um, and uh, in the end, it was a uh, it was a launch. It was a, a it was a, a satellite to orbit, supposedly, uh, which did travel over Taiwan, trying to get that. Uh, you want to you want your best missile launches are most efficient, or or that's why we put our our place in Florida, is to try to do the equatorial, where you're shooting into the equatorial spin. Um, and uh, that that supposedly was a a satellite launch, uh, but I think the timing was was intentional to intimidate 
And the Chinese made a number of very aggressive statements in the last few days. I don't think uh, about Taiwan. I don't think it helped them. You know, and here in the continental United States, I don't know if you're following much of it, but we've got the Iowa caucuses. That's going to be uh, a significant thing uh, on, a, uh, on a couple of different levels. You got, of course, the establishment pushing the now deflated, speaking of balloons, deflated balloon of Ron DeSantis, Mr. DeSanctimonious. They're pushing Haley really, really heavy. Um uh, but uh, President Trump, a commanding lead over the entire field. That's happening today. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, everybody stick around because immediately following when I uh, conclude the uh, the remaining balance of the interview with Ed Dowd, Deb and I are going to dig into the caucuses. And that will be our discussion for the rest of the day. Sir, um, at, at any point in time, uh, let's let's finish up with Taiwan and I want to go to Yemen and the Houthis. Um I know you, you'll be able to weigh in quite a bit on that. At any point in time, did you uh, fear for your safety? Were things uh, unstable there? Was it a, just a very uh, uh, a peaceful event? Or what, what was your, your general feeling? Did you have spies following you? Um, um, we, we had, uh, we had a couple of situation where I think it was, uh, there was Chinese intelligence. Uh, uh, we had this one interview. I don't, I think no question. This person was a Chinese asset. Uh, I think he was kind of, we kind of popped in on him. I think he was a little surprised to be talked to, but his, his description of who he was, where he, where I mean, he was at, he was at, we were at a DPP rally yet. He said he was KMT. A uh, young guy with a British accent who said he was, said he was from um, Shanghai. That made absolutely no sense. Why would you have an English accent if you you know if you, you were from um, Shanghai? You would obviously be from Hong Kong. Uh, so I think the guy was lying through his teeth. Um, so there was that. There was the missile launch, which did cause pandemonium. I was a little, uh, I, you know, all I got to. My sensors and indicators told me it popped in on my phone that it was a missile launch. Um, uh, we were all in a in the uh, conference room of a, a large conference room of a, of a large hotel. Um, not a whole lot we could have done except hit under the desks, uh, but uh, that was a bit concerning. Uh, the gatherings, especially for the DPP, were large, large, and you know didn't know if somebody was going to create an event. Uh, in one of the gatherings, but uh, yeah, the rallies were just uh, yeah, very large. No, again, no comparison in size of rallies between the DPP and the other two, not even close. And uh, so there was concern about possible provocateurs starting something. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I was not, uh, you know, I was not in any way felt I was in imminent danger of life, but there was some concern about uh, several of the situations well good uh glad that you're going to be you're going to be leaving tonight correct uh for tomorrow me, morning it, for for me right now it is t about 10 22 about 10 20 22 somewhere around there in the evening so i've got to pack tonight and then uh, head to the airport tomorrow Good. We'll look forward to having you back uh, safely here in the United States. Great job out there in um, in Taiwan. Are Thank you, you. are you going to be Thank off to be. Yemen? Are you going to be a wartime correspondent on the ground in, in Yemen? Oh, 
Uh, yeah, you know, you never want to step foot inside of Yemen. It's an absolute mess. Oh, never ever step foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, the Houthis have just, you know, they're a bunch of drugged up crazies. Uh, and I'm we're falling into a trap here. And this is uh, uh, we don't want a forever war, but this is different. This is not a forever war uh, scenario. This is actually a an extension of Chinese attempt to topple the the world system. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, uh, few people are understanding this connection. The Houthis are not doing this because of Hamas and Israel's uh, uh, bringing Hamas to justice. That this that has nothing to do with it. This was all pre-planned to block, and this was part of the strategic campaign of China to use Iran and its proxies to cause mayhem in the Middle East. So this is what's going on. So us blowing up, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is a baby milk factory in Yemen, um, and I'm just making that up. You remember those are the Sudan strikes from right. Clinton in the 90s. Yeah, so us blowing up a, uh, I, I, the, they make for good, the, the, the night launches of F-18s and uh, Tomahawk missiles make for good press and good photos. They don't drive us toward a strategic end state. We we could blow up a tenth of the desert all day long, and it's uh, what what is our end state? Because just shooting back at the Houthis, especially when we're not we're 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 the key words are restraint and um, uh, you know what is the other crazy word? Um, several words that the Obama Biden team are using only extend and expand the conflict uh because they're uh, uh um you know if somebody's shooting at you you wipe them out okay you don't shoot to nick you don't shoot to graze you don't shoot to scare them you destroy them okay and uh when when we're when proportionality is the word i was looking for which they love to use the, the biden team loves to use this word proportionality and we're le been lecturing the israelis on this endlessly you know that that yeah proportionality is is, is out of the is, you, is out of the law of land warfare but it doesn't if, apply here if you, if you don't mind just for somebody that's because you know what most americans are just not paying attention for not, not because of ignorance reasons but those that try to pay attention uh are not understanding what's happening because of all the other news that comes at them a lot of information flow but this is significant there was an attack that was initiated by the Houthis, uh, reportedly backed by Iran. Um, so the Houthis attacked, and this thing going on in the Red Sea has literally caused, you know, companies to just declare the place to be a war zone. So economic impact is huge because they're staying away from the Red Sea altogether. Uh, but that attack is what initiated. And then there was a response by the British and the U.S. So can you give us just a brief summation and how significant this thing is? And yet it's it's not a small thing. This isn't uh, this is bigger than a than a you know, I mean, I know Gaza is big and everything, but I'm talking about on the global war, you know, uh, platform that is this is a big thing, is it not? Yeah, you have to we. We are in the middle of World War III with China, whether we like it or not, we whether are. we recognize whether we recognize it or not, whether we uh, uh, want it or not. We're in World War III, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just get over this. 
Um, so that's how you have to look at what's going on here. This is an, this is the the battle for the North Atlantic, like in North in World War II, when German U-boats were sinking uh, sinking ship after ship. We've had, uh, you know, I'm keeping a spreadsheet, a detailed spreadsheet of all the attacks. Before I left for Taiwan, there had been 20. Three ships have actually been seized. What people don't realize is we have three ships and ship crews that are incarcerated, one in Yemen, two in Somalia. So uh, this is bad. And uh, worldwide shipping is, uh, people are saying, well, this has nothing to do with us. Yeah, that's just forever more. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we got to get more sophisticated on this stuff here and uh, realize what's going on. This is not just a forever war, which I don't want and I don't want any part of. This is China. This is China, China, China. And uh, um, yes, America depends little on the Suez Canal, uh, but if it's blocked for everybody else, which is, it effectively is blocked right now. Um, uh, it, it disrupts our, our, our supply chains also, and it, and it will make more things more expensive for us. Uh, now, also, there's a report that uh, Navy SEALs, I think it was two, uh, Navy SEALs now missing after going overboard during a search for weapons near Somalia. So uh, that, that report coming out of that region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... Uh, I just all I can go by is uh, what the Navy uh, press uh, puts out in press releases. Um, uh, not a whole lot of detail right now. They say it has nothing to do with the um, you know, Operation um, uh, Prosperity Garden, uh, which is that that's the action to uh, provide security for the ships passing through the Red Sea. So if it's not Prosperity Garden, what is it? And they said it, they were boarding a, a, a vessel, but they didn't really give any description. You know, boarding a vessel uh, with one of those, uh, you know, a, a, a pilot will go on board a ship before it enters a harbor. Uh, and you run up next to the, you run up next to the freighter. Uh, a pilot never knows what kind of, la sometimes the ladder is pretty decent. Uh, sometimes it's an actual gangway and stairway. Uh, sometimes it's a pretty uh, uh, <laughs> uh, scary ladder they have to go up. And these seals were going up a ladder, which I uh, apparently there was a way and wave action on a, a small boat uh, up against a big vessel is crazy. And uh, it's it's dark. Uh, you know, you're you're kind of. Uh, ready for combat. Uh, your, your adrenaline is pumped uh, somehow. In, with the small smaller boat bumping up wave action uh one of the seals uh fell off or missed the ladder uh, to climb up the side of the ship and standard uh, seal sop is the, the closest seal to them goes in the water immediately after them to help out so that that other seal and they 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 immediately disappeared probably this was in the middle of the night uh, again, small boats. I, I, I hope it wasn't, you know, it was, I'm assuming it was off of a rib, a, a rigid hulled inflatable boat. I'm hoping they weren't struck by the propeller uh, on the back because those have outboard engines. You know, if it's a propeller strike, it's it's bad and that's usually fatal. So I don't know if they were, had, were struck by the propeller on the rib or what. And uh, again, the Navy uh, Special Warfare Command indicating that it had nothing to do with Yemen while at the same time there's mixed messaging because they said in the Gulf of Aden they're looking for weapons uh, Yemeni uh, uh, 
uh, weapons. So it's kind of confusing. But like I said, you can only go by what they're putting out. And, you know, uh, you, well, first of all, they've got operational security issues, so they're not going to be publicizing uh, any covert missions. But a lot of stuff happening out there in the Gulf of Aden. Wouldn't you agree? Just a lot that we're not going to know about. Well, we have an incredible Navy, incredible Marines, incredible joint services. This represents an incredibly overstretched military that is just, we, we need a Navy double the size of what we have. We need, we need to go back to a 600 ship Navy. Uh, uh, we need to get there. We need to increase the size of our Navy fast uh, because the, the, it's the same. Admiral uh, Kitchener, uh, one of the admirals in the Navy, you know, put out a goal that they're going to have 75, you know, deployable ships. 75 deployable ships to cover the entire world. I mean, uh, the, the the Secretary of the Navy during the Reagan days, uh, was it Christopher Lehman? I mean, would, would just like, I, I had to read this headline twice. 75 ships is all we have. I mean, we have, we have a battle force of just under 300 ships and we're under legal mandate to move to at least 355. And the Navy has known this for years and just has not made progress. And, uh, um, you know, so this is a totally, totally under-resourced, overstretched Navy. We can't take care of, and of those 75 ships right now, most of them are in the Middle East. Mm. So what about, what about the Western Pacific? What about deterring Venezuela from invading Guyana? What about deterring China in the Caribbean? Uh, what about uh, everything else that's going on? And uh, uh, 75 deployable ships is pretty pathetic. And you're saying optimal is eight uh, hundred. Well, I'm saying that uh, we're our battle force is under three hundred right now. Mm -hmm. We're under legal mandate to it, it's in the law. They have to move to three fifty five, and they this has been in law for several years. And the Navy just can't show a plan where it can do it in less than thirty years. I mean, it's ridiculous. Thirty years from now, I mean, the the planet could be gone in thirty years. I mean, wow. holy smokes. Mm. You know, you know, no, we need that. We need to. I, I have a stupid question. I don't I don't follow this uh, very closely. But do we have like decommissioned ships that are in the boneyard that could be rejuvenated and brought into service? <sighs> well, that's an interesting. Technically, we do. Then, but it takes a lot. You got to put them in a shipyard to, for a lot of, to, you know, there's a lot of rust, a lot of reconditioning. And guess what? We don't have any slots in any of the shipyards. They're all full up. So how do we how do we take one of those ships and get it battle ready when there's essentially no capacity to do that right now? Wow. That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh well, it's a huge national security issue, especially in light of what's going on uh, all around. Well, the world. Taiwan, Taiwan, Taiwan could actually be part of the solution here. It would almost be, it would be faster to tow some of those ships to Taiwan, let them recondition them, and they do have capacity and an excellent workforce here. There's a new shipyard in the Philippines uh, that's being operated by the South Koreans, and that has been on the table and discussed. It would be better and faster to tow them to the Philippines and Taiwan and South Korea and let them recondition them for us yeah. than to, because with our capacity right now, 
there's simply uh, there simply is not a space available for those those ships to be put back into service. They need to get QB Point back up and running again, especially with what's going on out there in the uh, out there yeah. in the Pacific, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, so QB Point was the was the airfield, but it did have a, a dock for carriers. Uh, you had the old U.S. Navy uh, naval base, uh, which did have some repair capabilities at Subic, but across Subic. the bay. Uh, yeah, across the bay in Subic Bay, the South Koreans uh, in 2003 built a super huge yard that has been fallow because of economics, but that's being it's being brought back to life. And that thing is a super huge facility. It could gobble up QB Point and the old Navy facility at uh, at uh, Su- uh, at Subic proper. Uh, that's been discussed as part of the answer. So tow these ships out to the Philippines, out to Taiwan, out to South Korea. They can have them back in condition faster because uh, than us because we have literally zero capacity to put any of these ships back into service. How, if you don't mind me asking, do you know how the na- the condition of the Navy and their readiness uh, under President Trump compared to uh, to to Biden? Has has it been well, deteriorated, or is they something were, that's been existing for many years? Um, this has been a problem for a number of years going back, but the, the Navy's essentially been under mandate to grow since the end of the Obama years. The you know, last couple of years, of the Obama years, they were given the direction and the law to start in, increasing, and it just nothing happened. Now, I think I think Trump was putting on a far more aggressive path with pro- and and had properly resourced them, but. The bureaucracy in the Navy, the DEI CRT uh, cult that has just destroyed the strategic planning minds in the Navy and the Joint Staff, all the service staffs. Um, um, it is just the Navy's. This has been a ten-year mandate to get growing, and they just no progress. No, and a Secretary of Defense that's gone uh, AWOL uh, and no accountability. President Biden. Yeah. Uh, do I even call him President Biden? Sorry. Uh, Biden says he has full faith and confidence in his secretary of defense, which is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard of. It's disgusting what's going on there. Um, all right, sir. Bring us back around right now of all the hot spots around the world. What's your top of mind biggest concern? I mean, there, there's things you're a patriot. You, uh, there's things that keep oh, my, you my up one, late at night. My- yeah, yeah. My, my, I'm a joint guy. I don't care. Uh, you know, some people are very service. You know, no matter what they, they, no matter what comes out of their mouth, it's always about their service. Well, you know, under the new military, this started a number of years. There's a mandate that anybody, you know, if you want to get above 05, that's a lieutenant colonel in the army, a, a commander in the navy. Uh, you want you want to get above 05, you, you got to become joint qualified. Joint. So you speak purple and you start thinking purple. So I think purple. I don't, everybody, you know, any of these people say, ah, no, it should only be the Marine Corps. Oh, it should only be the Air Force. Oh, it should only be the Navy. Uh, the mission now is to grow the Navy. That is the mission. Oh, yeah. That's what keeps me, that's what keeps me awake at night is this feckless inability to grow the Navy. And it's just, my attitude is the entire shipbuilding, ship repair program should be taken away from Navy and given to an Army general, uh, an Army engineer general, and let them totally focus on this while the Navy focuses on forward projection of force. Oh, my goodness. Because the, hmm. the Navy, we, we need a Leslie Groves. That was the Army general who put together the Manhattan Project. He was an Army engineer general who put together the Manhattan Program 
program, probably the most massive uh, systems engineering, civil engineering effort ever uh, in the United States uh, government. And he made it happen in a few short years. Uh, we need somebody like that to step forward. You know, Navy is overworked, overtaxed, under-resourced, can't get this program going. And so I say Navy, Navy is the, Navy and Air Force are the priority, but Navy can't seem to get this shipbuilding thing going. So and ship repair. So give it to an Army engineering general and let them uh, become the modern Leslie Groves. You know what? Um what keeps me up at night just looking at it like you you were saying like it or not we're in world war three the stepping stones those stepping stones that exist what was that event in world war ii there was a significant event but a lot of things that took place prior to that that got us into world war ii what was that event well it was pearl harbor pearl harbor um, right that, that's yeah, what keeps yeah. me up because is, is that what is going to awaken everybody to the reality? An event like that, a Pearl Harbor style event, that's what keep, because here we are, we're in World War III, but we're just sitting there waiting like sitting ducks. Can you imagine our adversaries know about our weakness on the naval front? And that's why you see all these incursions in the Pacific, the Red Sea. Uh, we are so vulnerable, sir, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. And uh, it's remember after the Germans invaded uh, Poland, there was a period uh, before they turned around and looked uh, west uh, and it was called the phony war. And for like for about three or four months, um, the major thing the British and the French were doing was deploying their forces up to Norway because of the German invasion of Norway. Uh, but that was essentially the phony war period because uh, you had a lot of people sitting along the French-German border kind of just twiddling their thumbs waiting. So oh, now they invaded Poland, but nothing is happening. We're kind of almost in that now. Uh, well, I don't I don't see bombs uh, blowing up in America, so we must be okay and we must not be at war. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if you don't understand what's going on with the, the, the attack on merchant shipping in the Mediterranean. Uh, the, the, and everything else that Iran is doing to uh, 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 initiate arson fires. If you're not aware of everything else, fentanyl killing 10,000 Americans a month. Uh, if you don't think we're at war, uh, you're, you're not thinking very hard and uh, ignoring a lot of facts right at your feet, including 10,000 dead Americans from fentanyl, which is 100% from China. Oh, yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, this thing that's going on, in the Red Sea. I mean, it's almost a commercial blockade right now. That it exists. is. It, 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 it is a blockade. It is. Okay. This is most, uh, there have been some ships that have gone through with heavy escort, but most, most merchant lines are sending their ships around Africa. So it is a, a de facto blockade. Yeah. And uh, the, on the commercial side, the corporations and the insurance companies are saying that it's a war zone. They're not going there. Period. They're not going to. They're not going to risk it, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think we've ever had a declaration, a broad declaration of war zone uh, in regards to merchant shipping since World War II. Mm -hmm. Yes. So again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad we covered this because it at least gives us a, a smelling salt of all the information that's coming at us. This is a, a little known area that's one of the 
hot spots in the world. Uh, lastly, Poland just put out notification uh, within the past several hours uh, to all of their reservists that the, they have a six-hour readiness call-up that you must respond within six hours. The penalty is, and they were pretty stern, uh, that it's a three-year penalty if you don't report. So they're putting out the word, what is Poland getting ready for? I mean, I know the answer to that, but what are they getting ready for as well? They're in a wartime uh, footing right now. Is that correct? Are you following that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a grave concern. I mean, Russia, I mean, we get, we, we, I know we have differing, uh, there's a number of people have differing opinions on our side of the, the fence on what's going on in Ukraine. Ladies and gentlemen, um, you know, it's the, the ground battle is essentially static. I'm not sure either side is winning when it comes to the ground battle. Russia has lost an immense amount of resources. Everybody says, well, Ukraine's lost a bazillion people. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe not. I think the, the, the reality is it's effect effectively static on the ground, but what is grave concern to these countries is no matter how many people Russia's lost, and they don't care how many people they lose, there's a grave concern that he will, uh, Putin will push toward the Baltics. I think most likely, the most likely move is a move across um, uh, from Belarus to Kaliningrad, which is so uh, Russian sovereign territory on the Baltic which is separated. Uh, it does not have a landline to Belarus. Uh, you have Poland and Lithuania cutting it off. I think one of the most likely moves is a thrust across to Kaliningrad, which will cut off the small uh, um, Baltic Republic, republics of Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. It'll cut them off uh, and it'll, it'll, it'll t essentially occupy Polish and uh, Polish and uh, Lithuanian territory, which will be war, uh, which will be war in Europe. Sweden just put out a, uh, you know, civilians need to get ready and pre get prepared because there's going to be war. And it's like, yeah, they're worried about Russia coming across. But again, ladies and gentlemen, Russia is nothing but a mere subcontractor for China. I don't know how many times to say that. People will say, oh, Russia is much bigger than China. I mean, people are, are clueless on economics and military size, not even close. No. And, uh, and uh, no. Russia is, is, is absolutely the junior partner to China. And does, they invaded Ukraine because that was their contribution to the, 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 the war to take down America. That was their contribution. Two years later, the war is still raging um uh in, in in ukraine but it's putin is a is a puppet to china yeah and they wouldn't be making any of the moves if they didn't have the support of their alliance um the biggest one in in china sir um again i'm, I'm gonna recommend uh to everyone uh, that you go to mystore.com to pick up and I love the bundle, The Nation Will Follow, in the war against the deep state. That bundle, if you go to mystore.com, use promo code Pete, uh, you get an autographed copy sent by uh, sent by the colonel. Um, sir, how are book sales doing, by the way? 
They're doing great. Thank you, Good. Pete. I really appreciate it. Good. Yeah, yeah. We had to repl- we had to replenish the stock at the a couple of times at the uh, at Lindell My Store, uh, but yeah, get the signed copies there. Uh, uh, if you want unsigned copies for some reason, just go to Amazon. But uh, but yeah, you get a good uh, you get a better price and better bundle at uh, my store and use code uh, use code name Pete. Yes. Code word Pete. Please please do and sir safe travels back. Uh, by the way, just to let you know, uh, I as I told uh, uh, the guys so we do a financial uh, segment next week Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to be doing best stuffs because I'm getting married. This weekend, oh, on congratulations. The yeah, so we'll catch up. We'll catch up next week. You get settled back in. Thank you very, very much, and we'll make arrangements to have you on towards the end of next week. All right, sir. You got. You thank, got it. Take care. You. Congratulations. Take care. Bye now. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to finish up uh, the interview with Ed Dowd. Ed Dowd, and then uh, when we come back from that. Uh, Deb and I will be breaking down everything that's going on because tonight uh, Iowans are going to be braving the frigid. I don't think the cold is going to keep everybody at home, but frigid temperatures in Iowa. uh, They're saying, oh, the younger generation that's uh, supporting uh, Vivek Rubber Swampy. uh, That's who I'm calling them. Uh, that they won't be deterred by the weather. And you know what? I'm understanding that nobody's showing up uh, uh, good weather or not. That's the latest uh, that I heard, latest update. But th- let's finish up uh, with my interview with uh, Ed Dowd. Thanks. Yeah, and everyone has had uh, has uh, been impacted. Uh, yeah. Now let's segue because I want to spend a remaining balance of our time talking about, and everybody needs to pay attention, especially because you don't pay attention. You don't tune into CNBC, Bloomberg. You don't really, the financials aren't your thing. You're an artist or you, you know, you're a gardener and you just don't want to deal with that. We all have a dog in this fight. Here's my biggest concern. And I want you to take us away here. The, the level of debt right now has gotten to the point to where it is absolutely unsustainable. That tells me one thing myself is that they have zero intention of keeping our current system intact all that because they have no incentive to fix it because they're going to benefit on the other side of it. You know, whether it be central bank digital currencies or some other monetary system, is that, is that the right way to look at this thing? Uh, the debt that we have supposed to go to $50 trillion by uh, 2030, I think. That's the estimate. That's unsustainable. You can't, we can't pay that back. We don't have the GDP to be able to pay the debt back. So these people are not going to fix this. They're not going to reduce our spending. Are they getting ready for something on the other side as to a, a new currency, you believe? Well, there's, there's, there's two ways the system implodes. Mm. It implodes on its own mathematically, which is we're close to, or it implodes it's a controlled uh, implosion that they manage on the way down. Mm. Either way, uh, it's bad. The first one is bad for everyone because there's speed and chaos and they can't control it. A, con- a controlled implosion is better for them and that's what it looks like it's, is, is going to occur and there'll be a rug pull at some point where there's a, an event that is then touted as the reason for this uh, rug, pill, rug pull, which is won't be blamed on the central banks and or the politicians. 
So that's what's coming down the pike. We're getting closer and closer to that day. Let me give you some reasons why I think it might occur this year, maybe next. But the high likelihood it occurs this year is because it's an election year. Um, and they can't afford to lose the power that they have, especially in the U.S. They can't let Trump in. They can't let a JF, uh, RFK in. Uh, it can't happen uh, because the crimes and the corruption are so rife that everyone's going uh to jail if it's if, if this ever comes to light. So uh, what do we got going on? We got uh, federal deficit spending uh, that is so large. Let me give you give you some figures. The, the federal uh, deficit was thirty three trillion three months ago. Three months ago. Three months ago. And then you fast forward one hundred and five days, which is about three months. We added another trillion. We're at thirty four trillion. By May, we'll be at thirty five trillion. We cannot sustain this because what's going on is tax revenues are way, way down. We have a two and a half trillion dollar structural deficit. So the only thing keeping this economy alive is government spending. In the last quarter, we lost a hundred, uh, one and a half million uh, full-time jobs. That was buried underneath all the gobbledygook fraudulent numbers they put out. And the only jobs created were in healthcare, which makes sense because uh, people are sick and dying, and government. And uh, that's basically it. The rest of the real economy is, is cratering. I don't. I don't trust all these. You know, when the data comes out, the CPI, and and then the uh, Biden spokesperson gets to the podium and says, you know, things are looking promising. And so I'm like, this, all these numbers are being fudged. I call it. You know, if you've ever heard the term, the plunge protection team, falsely inflating stock market rallies, which are totally against nature and physics. You know, that should not be taking place. Have you ever seen such a thing where in our current condition, the stock market is rallying to that point and the dollar well, is surviving? Well, I will tell you this. It, it, we saw this kind of before in the great financial crisis. Things started to fall apart in 2007 and the stock markets hit a new all-time high in November before they gave up the ghost. Mm -hmm. I think we're seeing a similar thing. We peaked in 2022, went down. Uh, they tried to hold this thing up afloat. There were some bank failures last year, so they're doing what they can to keep it going. We're close to hitting that all-time high in 22. But here's here's where the rubber meets the road. When they did COVID, we spent uh, a tremendous amount of money and printed a trem tremendous amount of money, the likes of which we've never seen in the history of the U.S. We added 65% money supply. That's uh, an increase in the money supply of 65%. That's called M2. Uh, what we know about increases or decreases in money supply, uh, there's an 18-month lag economically. So what happened 18 months after COVID uh, spending uh, erupted in 20, March of 2020? Sometime in the summer of 2021, inflation took off. The excuse to cover that was the Ukraine war. It's all blamed on, on Russia and Ukraine, but that's just money printing. That's money printing that brought in this inflation. Then the Fed, uh, so, so you have M2 going straight up like this. Then the Fed raised interest rates to 5% from zero after 14 years, the fastest rate of change rate increases we've ever seen. That caused money supply growth to then whipsaw back down, and it went negative in November of 2022 on a year-over-year -year growth basis. So the Fed has whipsawed the economy, inflation first and deflation. And the 18-month time lag for deflation to start to come in the consciousness of everybody else is May. So the 18th month 
mark is may and we're going to start seeing this beginning this year so we're going to go from inflation to deflation deflation is bad for financial assets bad for the economy and if you want my personal opinion i don't think they misunderstood what they were doing it was a whipsaw effect it's it's massive instability what do you th uh the strategy and I, I i see it i'm not, i'm not a professional analyst i mean i've just seen these uh, repeated patterns that if you can't beat them politically, you sabotage them. Do you think that they're getting whatever it is that they do here in 2024? It might be significant, and it's looking that way because they cannot lose their power. Do you think that they will attempt to Hoover, Herbert Hoover, President Trump, just hand him the Great Depression? Do you think they'll time it that way? They're starting to realize they're not going to win. That's dangerous. That could happen. That could happen. So I, I, I've told people it could happen before the election or after the election. They pull the fit. That's a rug pull after the election. But mm. um, I, I, I fully think that they might lose control before that. Uh, and war. We're at we're at the point now where you need constant credit creation, and you, they need ever uh, larger reasons to spend money. And war is a good a way to do it. Um, you know, space aliens is another way. Can you imagine the, the amount of budget we'd have to create to fight the space aliens? I'm not joking because that would that would save the system real. for a couple more years because yeah. we're on this exponential growth track. It, it's a Ponzi scheme that started in 1913, and now it's reaching uh, the end game where you need ever increasing amounts of debt to keep the Ponzi scheme going. Mm. Our money, every time we print a dollar, we have a corresponding debt. It's a debt-based monetary system that needs constant credit creation. And that's why in the great financial crisis, uh, we didn't have a new system. We had more of the same to cure the ills of what just happened, more debt creation. So we solved the debt problem with even more debt, more debt. Yes, sir. A uh, few more moments here. I've got a big one to throw at you, but Craig um, uh, asked me, Craig Winklewitz, my partner on doing the financial show, he said, be sure to ask, he, I was going to bring him on, have, have him uh, speak to this. Uh, he said, be sure to ask um, Ed about the dollar. Now, the, the de-pegging of the trading, you've got the BRICS nations, there's a lot of alignment going on there. Uh, what are your thoughts on the dollar and, and why isn't it responding naturally to the circumstances? I mean, losing the uh, global, the, the U.S. dollar is the global reserve currency, that should have a pretty, a much more significant impact. How is it maintaining its strength right now? Yeah, so this is very complicated. So yeah. it takes a reserve currency a long time to die. Mm -hmm. uh, the death of the, uh, the British sterling started after World War One, and it didn't die until 40 years later at Bretton Woods. And right now we're at the beginning stages of the end of the dollar because prior to this nonsense uh, that we've seen from our administration, there was no way these countries would ever publicly speak the way they're speaking about de-dollarizing. So it's one thing to say you're going to de-dollarize. It's another thing to actually do it. Uh, it's very hard to do. Uh, it takes years to do it and unwind it because their debt systems are in inexplicably linked to the dollar. A lot of their own debt they've issued in dollar-denominated bonds. So if they were to, you know, immediately depeg from the dollar and go to some sort of other alternative reserve currency, overnight they would crash their economies. So the good news is the only one who can really destroy our world reserve currency status is us, but we seem to be doing a really good job of that with our de budget deficits and <laughs> the uh, sanctions we put on Russia 
and now discussions that we're going to actually steal the frozen treasury uh, bonds and bills that they own and steal that money to fund the Ukraine war. That would be the first time we've all, we've always done sanctions, but if we actually steal their money, that's going to be a signal to the rest of the globe. If you're not, you know, if we ever, you know, if you ever MIP us, we'll steal your money. That will accelerate the decline of the dollar. Which is why we've never defaulted on our debt because the full faith and credit, our reputation is on the line. We will, we won't default on the debt, as they always say, because of our reputation. You steal money like that, and that where our reputation is tanked, right? Right. That that would accelerate the the the, the, the world reserve currency status. But wow. the way the system unwinds. It's kind of counterintuitive. Uh, the dollar going up, uh, because the dollar is the world's credit system currency, the dollar going up shows signs of financial stress. So if we do have an, uh, a deflation and an implosion, the dollar will rise. Mm -hmm. When the dollar is going down, that means more credit's being created and uh, things are hunky-dory. But at the end of the day, if we ever lose re reserve currency status, uh, the life's the lives that we lead in the U.S. go bye-bye overnight, and it's just a different world. It, and I and I agree. Now, um, I've got a final question. If I can squeeze it in, this is an important topic. Are you following the NACs, the Natural Asset Corporations? And I have not. Tell me about them. And if you're, oh, and I'm telling you, when you dig into this, it, you're going to explode. Um, you remember the Bundy Ranch thing was over Western land issues, mineral rights, and all right. that stuff, right? Um, the Bureau of Land Management, they were the guns that were protecting, you know, and, and up in southeastern Oregon, um, we found out that Uranium One was deeply entrenched and money was flowing to Hillary Clinton. And, you know, the Department of Interior had their Western lands, right? And they're boxing everybody out. But constitutionally, they couldn't own the land, like saying that they had, you know, uh, public lands. Constitutionally, it didn't even fit that way. This is what they've decided to do. Uh, and it's up for, up for public comment. This is how close it is. They're considering, with colluding with the New York Stock Exchange, selling to offshore corporations, multinational corporations, they're going to value the air above the water that proceeds through the land on land that they don't own, by the way. They're going to trade this on the New York Stock Exchange and allow uh, these multinational corporations to own what they, they don't have as the underlying uh, uh, assets and property uh, without the permission of the owner. Like, for instance, sell the, the value of the air. And they say it's for the purposes of you know, uh, uh, global, or I'm sorry, climate change, you know, advancing the, th this is a massive, I would say it's, 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 it's the biggest thing that they're attempting to do right under our noses. If people don't realize what the full uh, implications are, because there's $170 trillion minimally of natural resource wealth that they're going to essentially sell off to multinational corporations. It's huge. It sounds like when I hear climate change and uh, trading derivatives on uh, air and water that no one owns, that sounds like a scam. And and I would point you to something that uh, I, I want to talk about before I go. I just had uh, some good meetings with David Webb, who has uh, written a book called The Great Taking. David Webb is like me. He's a, he, he had a 
storied career on Wall Street, he lives in Sweden now. And what he's found out is that since 1994, if you think you own your stock in your portfolio, you do not. You have an entitlement or a claim. In the old days, you owned your stocks. And if something goes down, uh, and th this is a legal fiction, by the way. This, this doesn't have to happen, but we need people to be aware of it. It's a story. It's a narrative. But the, the, the theory is, if the system goes kaput and you have $100 million in IBM stock, uh, they may come to you and say, well, you had $100 million, you're not senior, and you now have $2 million. And oh, by the way, we're going to issue a central bank digital currency against that. Wow. Now, yeah. look up the, when you see this, uh, the, the natural asset uh, corporations are going to be blown away. It's, it is the great taking. It really is. Um, final thing, uh, it's a quick comment. We have just a couple couple seconds here left. Uh, th 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 this isn't incompetence that we're saying. Uh, the, the Biden administration is beholden to another entity. Is there something more intentional going on with, I mean, they can't be this stupid and and. and it's, I think it's a little bit more deliberate. Running up the debt, war, you know, to no end. Uh, they're not managing things smartly, but uh, that's to the benefit of some of our foreign adversaries. I, I can conspiracy theorize, but I'm pretty close to the truth, aren't I? Is it more intentional? Well, look, when I was on Wall Street, you know, uh, my job was to sit in front of corporate CEOs and not listen to what they were saying, but watch what they do. That's how I made money and or, or lost money if I wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. So let's see what the Biden administration did on day one. They killed the Keystone Pipeline oh. executive order. Yep. They started cutting off our our ability to produce oil and natural gas. Mm -hmm. uh, that caused prices that that contributed to the inflation we're seeing now. Um, we also saw them um, uh, go into war with the Ukraine. Uh, Trump never would never have done that, but apparently, remember, they were told us that Trump was a warrior and was going to get us into all these wars. But all of a sudden, Biden seems to be the biggest war hawk I've ever seen in my life. So I watched that, and then most recently, we're watching the discussions to uh, to steal the Russian money. So they already put into question the reserve currency when they imposed these sanctions again, and now they're going to potentially steal the money. So. I watch what people do, know what they say. And if, if, if I wanted to destroy America, the quickest way to do it is to get rid of the dollar or the reserve currency. And they seem to be doing a good job of that right now. Oh, yeah. And strang strangulating ourselves as to, you know, depleting our, 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 our oil reserves and not tapping and not drill baby drilling. Yeah, yep, that's, enough, that's another one. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, let everybody know where they can stay in touch with you. You're around and out on the circuit. We always uh, play your stuff. Uh, your, 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 your rewinds on, on important segments that you do. Let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Finance, is it uh, Finance Technologies, PHI? Is that correct? Yep. Well, financetechnologies.com is our website with all our research for free on the vaccines. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dowd Edward, D-O-W-D Edward, Getter at Edward Dowd. And uh, I wrote a book on this called Cause Unknown, the Epidemic of Sudden Death in 21 and 22, found on Amazon. Cause Unknown. We'll provide all the links down below. You know what? I got to be honest. I haven't picked it up, but I'm going to. I'm going to take a look at it and, of course, invite you back on at a future date. Thanks for coming on once again. Ed Dowd, thank you very much. Great to be here, Pete. And uh, thanks. Uh, I, I'm sorry for what you went through, but... You know, I watched your story from the beginning and uh, you opened my eyes. Oh, well, thank you. But guess what? Uh, 
They have to pay a per day amount. I spent 619 days incarcerated, and they're going to pay a per day hefty amount per day of false incarceration. And now I tell everybody, shoot, I'll do that full time. <laughs> you know, but you know what? Hey, listen, uh, they, they, they intentionally try to destroy our lives. So I'm not going to say, yeah. you know, uh, you know, it, it's, it was never about the money, but, uh, I'll tell you what, they wanted to destroy our lives. And I'm going to say this, that that is the ultimate Stanley cup trophy that I will hold over my head. We won. We caught you guys. Amen. I'm glad you did. And that federal whistleblower was so important. So awesome. Yep. Adal, thank you very much for your kind words. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye now. Thanks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back. Uh, and we're going to continue here. Actually, Deb Jordan's going to be riding with me for the remaining balance of the show. After we take this break, it's going to be uninterrupted, uninterrupted, all the way straight through. We've had a busy show, busy morning. Our show's kick off now at 7 a.m. And we've covered, we've been around the world several times over. I hope you have enjoyed uh, the content thus far. Uh, and I hope that you consider <coughs> uh, supporting us uh, so that we can continue to do this work and build our team and, and keep up with the flow of information, but, um, uh, and also stave off what now looks uh, to be like uh, uh, the government pushing uh, very, very heavily, uh, tyrannically, trying to uh, outlaw militias. We're hearing that last week. Uh, they're pushing for the the digital dollar, which uh, uh, could mean that every penny you spend is going to be tracked and controlled uh, by the government, of course. Um, but listen, if that's true, then... Your life is going to depend on on people that you don't know, like, or trust is going to be at the control switch. And that's why really smart Americans like us are opting out and putting uh, some of their savings into real gold, real silver. Um, so to help, you can go to um, uh, goldcode.com, help our show, support our show. Uh, we get very, very small. Actually, they're a sponsor of the show and a big uh, supporter of Rumble, but gocol.com forward slash Pete or call 855-614-1681. You get a free 2023 gold IRA kit uh, from our partners at Gold Co. Uh, and it basically shows you how you can protect your hard-earned money uh, with physical gold and physical silver. Um even if it's still in a retirement account. Um, as an American citizen, you could score up to $10,000 in free silver just for safeguarding your savings. So please, uh, uh, at the very least, arm yourself with knowledge about your options. Uh, and of course, don't be one of the sheeple. Uh, that's not us, but go to goldco.com forward slash Pete or call 855-614-1681 now to get your free 2023 gold IRA kit. Now, everybody stay right there. We are going to be right back right after 
uh, this short message from our sponsors and Dr. Miller, by the way. You saw him on the show last week. Here's a message from Dr. Miller about another Bella Grace product you may enjoy. G'day, I'm Dr. Mark Miller for Bella Grace, and I'd like to have a chat with you about Bella Trim, our comprehensive weight management product. Now, most people early on will register a reduction in cravings associated with Bella Trim. How does it do that? Well, it does it by changing the levels of hormones that are associated with either hunger or satiety. It lowers the levels of ghrelin, a hunger hormone, and it raises the levels of GLP-1, the satiety hormone. As a result of that rebalancing act, you have fewer cravings. Net result, fewer trips to the snack cabinet where you may eat something that you shouldn't. It's comprehensive, it does a lot more than that though. There is an absolutely fascinating action on a metabolic switch called AMP kinase, AMPK. AMPK is associated with the preferential burning of fat as a metabolic fuel. And as a result, you have a reduction in visceral fat and, and reduction in waist circumference. Does more than that. It also helps regulate blood glucose. Blood glucose is a huge factor in weight management. And it does that by optimizing the actions of insulin. It also affects blood lipids. It lowers LDL, lowers triglycerides, all of those bad cholesterols that you hear about, at the same time as raising the levels of HDL, the good cholesterol. In addition for cardiovascular health, it also helps normalize blood pressure. There's more to it than that though. It also improves your microbiome. We do that by several ways. One, there's an ingredient in there that stimulates a greater diversity. And the other one is prebiotics, FOSS and GOSS, that help feed the good bacteria, gentrify your microbiome. So, Bella Trim, comprehensive. Enjoy it. Cheers. Banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world, but in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks, and the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. To celebrate the new year, we're having the biggest sale ever on overstock clearance and brand new products. For example, save 60% on our Goose Down comforters, the best comforters ever. They go perfectly with our MyPillow bed sheets and duvet covers. Save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels. They're made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Our initial quantities are extremely low, so get them now before they go. Our seasonal flannel sheets are fine. 
finally in. You save up to 50% and they sell out fast every year, so order now. They're truly the best flannel sheets you'll ever sleep on. Or save up to 80% on all our clearance items. And this is where it gets even better. For a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all MyPillow products. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. Sanctimonious will be finished. Tonight. I don't think he's going to dominate. You don't think so? I I believe that if he wins or loses, it will be by a small margin. And really? I'm all, well, I'm only saying that because you know we've been covering election fraud and all of those things for the past three years, right? So. And, and I've also looked into how Iowa does their, does their caucuses, right? And, you know, it's not pretty. There's a lot of backroom doors, uh, backroom deals that are made behind doors. And uh, it's all a money game, right? Mm-hmm. It's all a money game. And so, you know, I, I believe Trump will win, but I'm a little bit ha- apprehensive because of all the things that are playing against him. You've got, uh, we're going to be talking about Ramaswamy, right? And you've got uh, Nikki Haley and you've got Ron DeSantis. While individually their numbers are all very low, um, collectively they're stripping a lot of votes. So a little bit of cheating here and a little bit of cheating there, uh, you know, and, and they've been warning us. The other teams have been warning when Trump loses in Iowa, he's going to blame it on cheating. And, you know, so, I mean, I've been watching this for over a year now, watching Iowa unfold. It's been a big deal. Ron DeSantis has spent so much money, I think, uh, up to, upwards to... 300 million 
or a hundred. I forget how much. It's a lot. Really? That yeah. much? Yeah. He he's blown all of his money. Rob DeSantis, their campaign. Rob, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Their campaign now is kind of broke, right? Because they had all these huge backers that that infused them with money in the beginning, and then as time has progressed over this past year, a lot of these folks have backed out on Ron DeSantis and put their money somewhere else, mostly Nikki Haley. So I think it's at this point, I'm going to stay very uh, cautious and say, I think it's still up for grabs. Uh, Ramaswamy has done a great job of pulling Trump voters away. Uh, so has Rob DeSantis. So uh, will will he will trump have enough to the polls are suggesting yes right but i am i'm still burned from the midterm elections where i also said it was gonna it was not gonna be a red wave remember and everybody was like oh you're so negative right um but you see what happened there huh yeah so you know I think he'll win, but I'm a little apprehensive. I, I, I don't think it's going to be as far stretched as everyone is saying that it's going to be. You know, I don't think he's going to have this landslide thing. But, you know, of course, my, uh, you know, my opinion is based on the amount of cheating that gets done and the way that I have done research about how, how their caucus is run there in Iowa. So, but we'll see. Somebody was saying, uh, oh, somebody's saying, I wish Mike Lindell sold meat and other food products. Yeah. Yeah. People are, um, I mean, I was watching people in the chat, of course, and uh, people are starting to get concerned about their food. Yeah. And what's in it? And is there going to be any? Uh, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, okay. So, uh, again, uh, I know I'm speaking to poor people because you guys have kept me on the edge of bankruptcy. Uh, I know that. Mm. I already know that. Mm -hmm. um, I, for some reason, I just want to just go down with the sinking ship with you all, I guess. Uh, well, the but at the same oh, time. Sorry. I'm so sorry, Pete. Uh, no, that's okay. I want you to consider right now, do what we're doing. Deb and I are in that mode. You got to get silver. All right. Uh, make sure you got enough storable foods. You have to do this. You have to. Um, we have to. So therefore, I'm assuming you guys have to. We can't afford to do it either, uh, but we can't afford not to. All right. Yep. Pete's prep store has storable foods. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Well, I think a lot of people, Pete, hey. they're just. If I, they're uh, nervous with all the talk. Let me let me ask you guys something. It's affordable. Oh, somebody said, Deb, cautiously optimistic or pessimistic. I, I'm a little bit of both. I kind of waffle back and forth, right? <laughs> oh man, because our see, and that's the state we're in right now, Pete. We're just so uh, we're so unsure about our elections, and I think everybody feels that way. But um, you know, I'm optimistic that, you know, and that Trump is popular uh, in Iowa, that he has, you know, that he does have a lead 
but is it is the lead strong enough to to get her to circumvent some of the things that they could do i mean i really don't put anything past i don't put anything past i remember there's this thing that they do uh they're doing it in new hampshire actually in new hampshire you don't have to be a republican to vote in the gop in the in the republican primaries did you know that no i did not know that it's true Hmm. you don't have to be a republican to vote in the gop primaries and DeSantis has had a years long uh, ground game up there recruiting and actually, you know, asking Democrats to come in and vote. So, you know, and there's, I think there's quite a few states that, that still do that. So I don't know. We'll see. There's so many ways that they could cheat right now. We will see. Um, All right. This is what I want to do for the remaining balance of the show. I want to pluck through the morning news and look for look for Iowa caucus news. Let's see how much uh, uh, add. Um, uh, let, let's see how much uh, uh, the mainstream media, as well as the non-mainstream media, is mm-hmm. covering these these topics. A big day, um, and let's do it right now. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, do it. We're going to do. People are wondering about the Vic and what what we're going to be talking about. We'll be talking about that here in a second. Oh, Fanny. It's part part of the caucuses, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Fanny Willis rages against MTG for her stupigate woes. Wow, that's interesting. There's a lot Mm -hmm. going on there with with, uh, Fanny the boat rigger. Yeah, Uh, so so she likes to be called Fanny, not Fanny. But we all know it's really Fanny. I'll call her big fat Fanny. How about that? (laughs) Hmm? Fatty only make my yeah funny. So um, I you know with what's happening with her, uh, it has been she has been exposed as in doing something highly illegal. She was having an affair with the main attorney, the DA there in Atlanta, right? So he was based. So basically, what she did was um, she hired this guy to be front and center, to be the one who was going to uh, prosecute Trump. Then it was found out that she was having an affair with this guy, and he left his wife. But she paid this guy almost a million dollars. It was like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars, to to prosecute Trump. She gave this guy, and then it came out that she was having an affair with him, and then he took her on this cruise, right on this big cruise, and spent lavishly on her, and uh, that's where it sits. Now it's been exposed, and so she went to church on Sunday. And they actually have her uh, talking about how black women aren't perfect. We're not supposed to be perfect. We can't save the world. And I mean, it was so disgusting. Okay. Oh boy. You know what? Let's so listen to. She's in uh, some trouble. She should I, be. We'll I listen to a little bit of. I, I wanna. I, I can't get uh, enough of uh, my commander in chief. 
Yeah. All right. Let's uh, listen to just a couple of excerpts here. I want to skim through this. Uh-huh. Let's see. Team Trump. There he is. Oh, Iowa caucus. This is something different. Wow. Wow. President Trump, we are so excited to have you here with us in Iowa tonight. Thank you. And uh, you've just got a great group of supporters here in this state. You really do. You really do. Thank you. I didn't see that. Did you watch this? No, I have not seen this one. Well, and, and Mr. President, new inflation numbers are out this week, and they show inflation is again up under Biden. And the new polling shows 61% of small businesses believe Bidenomics is bad for the economy. When you return to the White House, what is the first thing you'll do to turn around Biden's economic nightmare? Well, first of all, I think he's been a disaster as a president. He's the worst president in the history of our country. Uh, the happiest person around right now is Jimmy Carter, I've been saying this because he uh, looks like a brilliant president by comparison, like literally brilliant by comparison to this guy. Uh, there's never been anybody like him. Uh, now we have another war going on in the Middle East just started up. And uh, we have our uh, secretary of defense is sitting in a hospital room looking at his laptop. That's how he's running the war, like uh -huh. a child would look at a laptop. It's uh, disgraceful what's going on. It's a disgrace and uh, Bidenomics is the least of it, but it's been a disaster for the country. Uh, inflation's now going up again, but really look at the inflation that's taken place over the last three years. I was looking today, energy's up at 38%, and uh, food's up 30, 32%. Everything's up, it's not gonna come down, they're not gonna get it down. Even if they got it even right now, it doesn't matter, the damage is all done. No matter what you make, no matter how much your, your salary went up, it's peanuts compared to when you look at these all these uh, things. They were talking about housing prices, they were talking about uh, rental, uh, if you rent an apartment anywhere in the country, you're up 40%, and that you can't make up for that. Uh, he's been a disaster as a president, and uh, we're spending money hand over fist in Ukraine, as an example, and yet uh, Europe, you added up, it's a similar size economy as ours. Europe is not spending anything by comparison. We're in for $200 billion, or they're in for $22 billion. And yet it certainly affects them more than it affects us. We have a thing called an ocean in between. They don't have that ocean, but they're not. And nobody's telling them to do it. I told them to spend for NATO. I said, you have to spend money. And they said, well, I don't really know. Would you protect us? I said, no, if you don't spend, we're not going to protect you. And all of a sudden, billions and hundreds of billions came pouring into NATO. Because I said that. Mm -hmm. You have to ask them uh, for the money. They'll no. pay it if you ask them. I don't think anybody is asking them. But you, you look at, at the difference between... What we're spending on Ukraine, as an example, and what they're spending, and the only difference is nobody's asking or they don't know how to ask. But you really probably have to tell them, this is what you're going to do, and they'll do it. So it's a very unfair thing. Very bad things are happening for our country. I don't think we've ever been in danger of World War III like we are right now. And I always say, and I say it in every speech, I will prevent World War III. I know all these people. I know. A good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't make any difference. I know every one of them, and they're not going to mess around with us. We are weak. We are ineffective. We're left out as a country, and Bidenomics is a total disaster, to get back to your original uh, question. 
Well, you are so right. And, you know, we've got some good Iowans here with, with us tonight in the yeah. audience. So who here was better off financially with President Trump? <laughs> yeah. I think that's everybody, uh, President Trump. Yeah, I think that's the answer we have. I mean, it's absolutely overwhelming. Yeah. Americans, Iowans, we're all better off with Trump. And, you know, a lot of that was due uh, to your leadership of our booming economy at that time, which was due uh, to your tax cuts, the yeah. tax cuts that you put in place. And so uh, as a follow-up to that, what would happen to our economy if Biden got his way and he allowed your Trump tax cuts to just expire. Well, you'd have the biggest tax increase in the history of our country. It will be devastating to people that will, on top of inflation and what's happened, and basically a bad economy. You know, it's a bad economy. It's not a real economy. Uh, you look at government jobs are up, but other jobs aren't up. But government jobs, well, government jobs, that's, you know, that's easy to do. Let's hire more people so we look good. That's like taking the uh, oil out of the strategic reserves. They take it out of... The big, we have the lowest uh, amount of oil in the strategic reserves right now than we've ever had. And that's not meant for automobiles for an election. That's meant for military. That's meant for trouble, big trouble in our country. It's meant to protect us. And, uh, you know, they practically drained it in the last election in order to keep uh, prices down. They're trying to do the same thing again. These, uh, they, they have done such damage to our country. And then we start talking about the border, okay, mm -hmm. the border. We had the worst border in the history of the world. We had the safest border, the best border. I built over 500 miles of wall. People don't, you know, they say, is it a renovation or not a renovation? It's not a renovation. We had a wall that was falling down, demolished, uh, rusted steel, uh, rotted out two by fours, would rip it out. They'd say, oh, that was a renovation when we go up 30 feet high and nine feet deep. Uh, now we built over 500 miles of wall. We were going to build another 200 miles, which is far more than I said I was going to do. And Mexico, by the way, speaking about Mexico, Mexico paid for 28,000 soldiers and they were paying much more money than they would have paid for the war. There was no legal mechanism to do the war, but it didn't matter because they paid much more money. Uh, we had stay in Mexico, not stay. We had stay in Mexico. We kept people in Mexico. Nobody ever did that before in Mexico behaved, but Mexico had to behave because I was going to tariff them if they didn't. And they were fine. They were actually very good. I like the president a lot. I mean, we get along very well. But Mexico paid a big price to give us the the best border that we've ever had in the history of our country. That included drugs. That included terrorists coming in. I saw an interesting stat on a number of the shows. Uh, in 2019, they had no terrorists, zero, which I was frankly surprised to hear that. But that was during my term. We had very strong blockages and blocks. Uh, so we had nothing. And now we have record numbers of terrorists coming in, record numbers. We had none. I mean, they actually said zero. This is not me, because I would have said it's got to be somebody, somebody. But they had nobody. And uh, we had a safe country. We had no attacks. We had no anything. I defeated ISIS. We wiped out ISIS. That was supposed to take four years. I did it in a few months. We have a great military when we have the right people. And we have the right people. I know the right people. They're not the television people, not the people that you're reading about, not the person that's now in a hospital uh, running this war from his laptop, which is what I understand he's doing, if he's running it at all. I'm not sure about that, but uh, that was a terrible thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. He doesn't quit. No. 
he doesn't quit and no. he recites and he recites and he's absolutely spot on always. Yep. And he keeps it all in his freaking head. Yeah. And he knows these numbers. I mean, I just realized, again, we're back to the same scenario where the EU is ponying up $22 billion and we're ponying up $200 billion mm -hmm. uh, to defend them. And why? Why, why is that? Why? Because the Democrats will just hand money away willy-nilly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love this song. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to be happy. I think uh, Trump is going to be a blowout. I am hoping so. We're going to find out tonight. I'm understanding LFA coverage begins at 6 o'clock tonight of the caucus coverage. So you want to tune into our show this afternoon? And stay right You're there. We'll be right back. Good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Dog whoa, bed. whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow. Also, we have bath sheets, bath towels, washcloths, hand towels, and so much more. And the best part, with your promo code, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all my towels. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. Better science leads to better outcomes. So by understanding the science in much more intimate detail, delivering a value product that is so different from anybody else, more effective, shareable, really tasty. All of these attributes are classic examples of true innovation. It's the most effective product I've seen in 30 years. So when we're stepping outside into seasonal changes, low humidity, sunlight, pollution, all of these things get communicated as stress on the top layer of skin that produces free radicals. And they're bad news for collagen networks. They're going to break down the collagen network and collapse that beautiful uh, tensile strength of your skin. And so that's how we end up with fine lines and wrinkles. Bella Grace is really an elevated formula. Bella Grace is better than the competition for very obvious reasons. First of all, we're delivering great collagen. We're delivering Verisol, which is the world's most studied 
form of collagen. So we're starting at a foundation that's really top-notch. So to protect your collagen against these kinds of assaults, what you really want is a nutrient that's going to specifically go to the skin, neutralize free radicals and do it really well, protect membranes, and also have some anti-inflammatory properties to help dampen the signaling that really turns up expression of those scissor enzymes. And natural astaxanthin in the Bella Grace elixir is able to do all of those things. Every day you'd have to eat six things in order to get three milligrams of astaxanthin in Grace elixir. But there's two other elements that we focus in on with our other key ingredients that are in the elixir, and that is astaxanthin and cat's claw. And the value of adding those two elements, in addition to the collagen, is centered on the formation of collagen in skin. So you activate all the processes that string the peptides and amino acids together. You're generating healthy, productive collagen. At the same time, you're also turning off the damaging pathways that break up collagen. So unless you take into account those components that optimize the process to make collagen and switch off the processes that destroy collagen, you're really missing the big picture. It's not enough to just consume the collagen. You have to link it all up and protect it. That's what Bella Grace does. So the elixir is really the perfect choice. It's shareable in a single unit. You get the right dose, so you're getting the correct benefits that match the clinical trials. And it also gave us the opportunity to have a great flavor. It's just yummy. Let's just uh, talk with the microphone muted. What do you think? <laughs> oh, yeah. You All got right. it. You so, got it going on. So here's uh, final news perusal. I'll try not to get distracted with uh, Trump speeches. Right. I mean, well, that was yeah. very important. I love it. I love it. These are the it. kinds of things that are happening. And I've also been following, yep. you know, the folks on the ground. Um, they, you know, the uh, Trump visited yesterday his uh, call center. And uh, people have created call centers all over the United States for Trump. He's got a great ground game going. And so, you know, the Here's only, my prediction. The only apprehension rumor. I have uh, is the, these backroom deals that are made and the money that's been poured into that. We've seen a lot of people switch over to Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, you know, they're actually riding on his bus. But a lot of people woke up to it this weekend, too. And I've been screaming about this very thing. T-shirt gate. I have been screaming about this very thing oh. for over, I, I can't, from the beginning, I suppose. I love some of the things that Ramaswamy says. I love some of the things that he does. Uh, but over the weekend, he made some big mistakes. And I knew it was coming. And I told everybody, all of these big influencers that were out there saying, 
I like Ramaswamy, you know, and even I even told you last week, I said, am I missing something here? Maybe these folks, you know, that we love, know, and trust, uh, know something that we don't know, right? Has Trump, because Trump said that he has already picked his VP. And I was like, and these are people that are close to Trump, right? I mean, people that talk to him and have inside sources and talk to the people around him. Has he chosen Ramaswamy? Because the amount of people, um, Trump supporters, that were, you know, scrambling to get their pictures taken with him, bringing him on their shows, all of these things. And even you, Pete, you were like, man, I really like this guy. Can't help it. I love the things he says and does. And, and I've seen a lot of people doing that. And I was like, no, 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 no way is that even a possibility. This guy is saying that he is, you know, he's the one moving forward and he's telling everybody that Trump is not going to get anywhere near the White House, that Trump um, you know, that they're going to come after him and you need to pick somebody else and that somebody else should be me. And I was like, wow, this guy's telling everybody to put up their surrender, white flag surrender signs and say, okay, you know, Trump doesn't have a chance. We're not going to fight for him anymore. And so guess what? We're going to all vote for Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, a lot of people were saying those were just ploys um, and talking points that he was making so that he could get into second place and, you know, be Trump's VP. And, and I wasn't buying it for a minute and he proved himself this weekend. He made some big mistakes this weekend in his campaigning. And a lot of people uh, said, not only no, but hell no, dude. He had t-shirts made up that said, um, you know, save Trump, vote for Vivek. And then he took a photo picture, a uh, photo picture. That's funny. Photo picture. He took, he took a photo with a group of young kids, right? Wearing that t-shirt. And they tried to, in the beginning to pull it off. Like it was random, but then he was exposed for he for being the one who paid for those. Mm. And it was, it was all a pre-stage photo op. Mm. And, People listen, were not liking it. And the more we get closer to today, Ramaswamy was going, you know, lightly against Trump, but enough to finally for people to catch what I caught over two weeks ago. I I think um, DeSuctus is going to be finished tonight. Look at, by the way, mm -hmm. Ron DeSantis forcibly threw a peaceful man in a wheelchair out of yep. his event because... Yep of the hat he was wearing. Correct. It had money, millions of dollars to fund million elections in all 50 states. It had paying people not to work. I said, if you spend $2 trillion and you pay people not to work, not only are you gonna get inflation, you're gonna get shortages, and you're also gonna fund all of these blue states to shut down their countries. What's the problem? Here, this will be the worst thing that ever happened to our economy. I just told you, put your hand up to let's go. Well, they all showed up, and I'm sitting there on the floor of the house watching the microphone. What are you doing? He's in the house. All right. He's in the house. And I looked at it. 
Because of his hat? Yeah. Isn't it amazing how the police, I noticed the police work uh, very aggressively on behalf of these uh, establishment candidates. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so here's the thing with Ron DeSantis. This is really bad optics, Pete, because Ron DeSantis from the very beginning has tried his very best to circumvent the First Amendment uh, first in Florida uh, over a year ago by by trying to get a bill passed that said you could not criticize Ron DeSantis unless you paid to do it. You couldn't write about him. You couldn't use your image, his image, all of those things. Ron DeSantis tried to do. Well, there was such an uproar about that that he dropped that, and nobody is talking about that anymore. But he did that, right? And this is Nikki Haley's problem too. They are anti First Amendment. Instead of waiting, this the man in the wheelchair is a known Trump supporter, but what he's not known as is being a disruptive one. I think he really truly came into that mm-hmm. venue to see what Ron DeSantis had to say. Yeah, The same thing has happened in the beginning of the week, really bad optics for Ron DeSantis, is that he has called the police on Laura Loomer twice and several other people. There and, was, and she's in a private area of these restaurants where they're located. She was in a restaurant where he was going to do his speech. Uh, and guess what? They came, the, pol- the police were called and they told her she had to leave the building or she was going to get trespasses. She said, I just ordered my Diet Coke and I'm waiting for my food, mm-hmm. right? And they said, you gotta go. Orders came down from you know the top that you are going, you know, you can't be here. So not only that, but they threw what they've thrown out several people over the last couple of weeks while he's been in Iowa. He wants nobody there that is going to, um, you know, that's going to disrupt his his little game that he has going on. Now, the one thing that's been happening to all of them, including President Trump yesterday, Pete, was that the climate change nuts are going after him. But these aren't just your normal climate change people. I learned from Millie Weaver over the weekend that this is a sunrise movement effort. And she's out there sounding the alarm. She's being the Paul Revere Mm -hmm. and nobody is paying attention to her, right? No, and uh, I'll tell you what, there's a news report that says that uh, they're they're calling it um, become a Republican for a day. That's it. I okay. told you. Yes. Republican for a day yes. is a strategy. Before yeah. we go to that news report on InfoWars, um, let's uh, let's hear this. I'll get all spinning ball over at X. Uh, is that yeah. what we get now? Yeah, it's really tough over there sometimes to get a decent uh, to get a decent video going, right? Millions of Americans sincerely love Donald Trump. 
They love him in spite of everything they've heard. They love him often in spite of himself. They love Donald Trump because no one else loves them. The country they built, the country their ancestors fought for over hundreds of years, has left them to die in their unfashionable little towns, mocked and despised by the sneering halfwits with finance degrees, but no actual skills, who seem to run everything all of a sudden. Whatever Donald Trump's faults, he is better than the rest of the people in charge. At least he doesn't hate them for their weakness. Donald Trump, in other words, is and has always been a living indictment of the people who run this country. That was true four years ago when Trump came out of nowhere to win the presidency. And it's every bit as true right now. Trump rose because they failed. It's as simple as that. If the people in charge had done a halfway decent job with the country they inherited, if they cared about anything other than themselves, even for just a moment, Donald Trump would still be hosting Celebrity Apprentice. But they didn't. Instead, they were incompetent and narcissistic and cruel and relentlessly dishonest. They wrecked what they didn't build. They lied about it. They hurt anyone who told the truth about what they were doing. That's true. We watched. America is still a great country, the best in the world, but our ruling class is disgusting. A vote for Trump is a vote against them. That's what's going on in this country. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even. That is still holds I, true today. I, yeah, it still holds true today. And, yeah. uh, and that's why... Um, That's right. That's why they've hatched this uh, this thing called Republicans for a Day scheme, boosting Haley versus Trump in the Iowa caucuses. She's exactly. all in right now yep. uh, to bring in these Democrats, yep. right, who are allowed to vote. Mm -hmm. According to Axios, crossover voting is a low-key tradition in the Iowa event, as yep. the state allows day of party registration for voters, while Democrats aren't holding an in-person presidential caucus this year, providing the perfect opportunity for uniparty Democrats to support yet another perpetual war candidate. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about. And they're also doing that in New Hampshire. If you can't beat them, cheat them. Right. And huh? there's all, and, and when you look at Iowa's, I mean, you guys can, if you do a little research, you'll learn about how these are held. And there are private meetings, backroom deals, closed door mm. uh, agreements, and a lot of money flows. Add a lot of millions money flows, of Americans. Pete. So, you know, I mean, that's why I'm a little bit apprehensive coming into this and going into New Hampshire. And this is going to be happening nationwide uh, throughout these throughout these caucuses and these primaries, right? So just brace yourself right i mean be <clears throat> you know be be excited and and optimistic but in the same at the same time you know prepare yourself for them cheating they could do anything and we won't be allowed to say that there was any cheating that happened the republican party is going to sound if that happens the republican party is going to sound a whole lot more like the Democrat Party, and they're going to be saying, you know, oh, you know, this is all sour grapes, and so there you go, there you have it. So just, 
just come yeah, they're and probably something. behind the effort to bring in bus in. They are Democrats. They, they right? absolutely are for Nikki Haley, especially. Yeah. Um. Here, there's a lot of money being poured into Nikki Haley right now. And what do you think that you know, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Vivek, who um, Vivek Ramaswamy, who is a self-made person, he's spending uh, his own money. Uh, but how much money? Do you think that they have poured into these into these groups that go out and recruit Democrats, right? We don't listen know. to this. Listen to this. What yeah. she had raised in the quarter before that. So the money train is still flowing and going. Um, are you worried, though? Thank you, Neil, for having me and Happy New Year. I didn't. Uh, we actually have a large um fundraiser on the 30th of January at a major apartment in uh, New York City where we're raising a tremendous amount of money. Believe it or not, a number of it coming from uh, Democrats. Yeah. See that? Yeah. A, a large number. So to, to beat Trump, right, is what they're, what they're attempting to do, mm -hmm. right? Bring down Trump. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah. They just can't. So that's why, you know, oh, I mean, I here's the here's the preliminary total. DeSantis, zero percent in the caucuses. Haley, zero <laughs> percent. And Hutchinson. Who's <laughs> Hutchinson's in there? Is he really? Asa Hutchinson is still in it? Wow. Is that true? I guess so. Jeez. Strip the votes where you can, I reckon. But yeah, I mean, everybody needs to be very cautious of that. And I just think that uh I, I don't know if people have educated themselves. Mm. Uh, you know, I've seen the threads that a lot of people did not know this was happening. Or there was a possibility of this. But this is the way it is in every election, right? During the primaries, mm. um, they make sure, the Democrats make sure that the guy they want in, you know, Ron DeSantis has been saying all along, you know, Trump, they want Trump. They want Trump to be in. They want him to be the one, right? But I don't believe that's true, not even for a minute. I think that's just a stupid campaign talking point that he should never have gone down that road. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, wow, man, I mean, these people really want either, they want Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis. They can control those two. They'll be happy with either one of those. But I think their pick, their choice is Nikki Haley. And you guys know how this government is, man. I mean, you know, I don't put anything past them. I don't put anything past them at all. Not at all. Trump in the polls, yes, he's looking great. We'll see how it translates over to paper or to digital yeah. voting or whatever and, uh, they're doing there, right? Look at uh, CNN News. Iowa caucuses, right? Mm-hmm. Look at they don't even. Oh, they put Trump last. You see that? Bleep bleep sure. bleep bleep bleep. Trump last. Yeah. Uh, Got to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, here's what we should know about tonight's Iowa caucuses. First thing you should know is that prior to LFA's coverage, beginning at 6 p.m., we will be. Uh, I will be, not we will be. I will be. Uh, live on LFA tonight at 4 to 5 
uh, for the pregame, right? Mm-hmm. And then from what I understanding uh, is Drew uh, Hernandez and Will Johnson will be doing uh, real-time coverage of the caucuses. But uh, se- more than 1,700 Iowa precincts will hold caucuses on the evening of uh, January 15th, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and here, this is how it works. While the Iowa caucuses date back to the 19th century, the modern form of the quadrennial event began in 1972. Both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party have local party meetings across the state. The state of Iowa is not involved in that process. Caucuses are meetings of neighbors to conduct the local business of their political parties. Iowa's 1,765 precincts will convene a caucus at a set time on a set day ahead of the U.S. midterm and general elections. There are Mm -hmm. 728 caucus sites across the state. Party message includes deliberation on the party platform and other local business. Then a presidential preference poll. Typically before the poll, there are brief speeches made on behalf of the candidates by their so-called caucus captains right mm-hmm. yeah so um mm. i think it's you know i think this is something else that everybody needs to know we have seconds left go ahead you got to go really quick because we have 30 before, seconds before this election mm. the iowa caucuses were not really all that big a deal only three out of um, all of the presidents ever elected uh, won that caucus that was Barack Obama, Ronald Reagan, and Donald J. Trump, who won the caucus and went on to be the president of the United States. Everybody else who won the caucus never stepped foot in the White House as president. Uh-huh. There you go. Well, we'll be doing uh, coverage. Join us at 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. We'll bring you the latest uh, news coming out of Iowa, not just the weather report, okay? And thanks for tuning in. We've been going strong since 7 a.m. Tens of thousands of people literally coming through the show and 300 people click that thumbs up button, right? 300. Tens of thousands and only 300. You know, I guess. Come on, I don't you guys. Know. Before huh? you take off, make sure you, you give us a thumbs up over there. Yeah, the please Rumble. do. Please do that. Okay. And please, from this point forward, don't wait to be told to do something. You know what I mean? Take the initiative. You know what needs to get done. You need to be able to do it. Uh, we're at war, ladies and gentlemen, and you can either sit there and eat MREs or stand up and put your muzzle down range. Market Ultra, all right? First two hours of the show, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., and that'll be piloted between now and the 1st of February, and then kicking off on LFA and the front page of Rumble on February 1st. Ladies and gentlemen, we need your support. Best way to support us, support our sponsors. 